He is a Denver native born of Denver natives. A former Denver chief deputy district attorney. He is now an active Colorado trial lawyer. Bright, independent, and full of fun, he has been part of the media for decades. This is The Craig Silverman Show. Oh, what a world, what a life, what a day. Saturday, November 18, 2023. You know, my show open explains a lot about me. Yes, I take a lot of pride in being a prosecutor in Denver back in the day. And I also like being part of the media. Two worlds, and I take pride in both of them because I think that done right, it can help further the American experiment. Bob Marshall has a law degree. He gets welcome back to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. It's his fourth appearance. He says three, but it's really four. How do I know that? Because I keep records on stuff like this. Episode 99, episode 122, episode 157, and now episode 182. Bob Marshall's now in the State House. He's in that special session. We talk about HH, but we talk a lot about George Brockler, who also spent a lot of time in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, and he was the star of episode 63. And he saw fit to put down my client, my friend Bob Marshall, and I wonder why. This happened on Twitter. I think I have it figured out, and I'm going to go into it with sound bites and let you know that the star of my show is attorney, Marine. He's a lieutenant colonel, so many war zones. What a record of distinction. And maybe he's going to run for Douglas County DA. You will hear me try to talk him into it. And that's a lot of fun. The guy I think is going to run as a Republican, and he hopes to clear the field in the primary, is George Brockler. Already DA in the 18th Judicial District. Heck, they're forming a new district. It's Lincoln, Albert, Douglas. George lives out there. And by the way, I know George's family. Magnificent. His wife, Marcia, exceptionally good person from what I can see. So I have no beef with the Brockler family, but I do have a beef with George. And we've never had a personal falling out. It's just the things that he says and what I've observed through the years. And it started with the red flag law. We'll get into all of that, but George is talented. Let's not let's not kid around. It's red flag law, it's Trump, it's capitulation, it's association, it's disinformation online, on the radio, it's avoidance of talking about certain things that a morning host should talk about like when Trump puts out that Berman call. But anyway, back to liking George. He and I got along well, did lots of radio together. He would fill in for Dan Kaplis, and we had quite a show. I think it influenced Brockler. I think it influenced uh, Joe Oltman, who is a big figure in The Big Lie because he formed a podcast with a two-man team. Max McGuire was the host when they said they intercepted an Antifa call and we were off to the races with the big lie against Dominion on behalf of Donald Trump growing out of Colorado. 
that I've covered a lot. And George Brockler bringing Altman over to Can US, where I used to work. Now, listen, Brockler came aboard after I got fired four years ago. I record this on November 17. It was four years ago today that Can US held a press conference in which Brian Taylor, who just left, emceed by Stephen Tubbs, who just left. There's Chuck Bonniewell and Kirk Woodland at the end talking. And I'm going to play that sound of that press conference they held one day after they cut my mic four years ago. So that's pretty darn interesting. But back to Brockler, who wasn't there. He'd been a friend of mine. We'd done a lot of radio on KHOW. He'd been my guest many times on 710. But when it comes to controversy, don't count on George unless it suits his political purpose. And soon enough, he was there at KNUS because Randy Corcoran, who told conspiracy theory lies against me, along with Kirk Woodland. Anyway, Corcoran moved up to my 9 o'clock spot, and there's George Brockler with his 6 a.m. Saturday morning entree to finally being a talk show host. I think he was still a DA. That's kind of odd, but he did it, and obviously he's good at it. The guy is glib as hell, smart, fast on his feet, and he likes to make jokes. And boy, I used to make jokes with him on the air, off the air, and everybody thinks they're a class clown. I fancied myself that way, and back at GW, I'm going to call them out. Miles Goober and Steve Guggenheim. Now, it's more Miles Goober. Forget about Steve Guggenheim. Googie was just smart. But Miles Goober was super smart, too. And Miles Goober liked to engage in wordplay and all manner of comedy. But it was a volume thing. And I don't think he edited appropriately. Whereas I might not have produced as many lines, but my one-liners were better, better timed, better considered. Anyway, I bring this up because George Brockler is tremendous, and I'm sure he was the class clown wherever, and he's probably one of the sharpest guys when it comes to linguistics, fast on his feet, quick with the quip. It's amazing, and he puts it on display. Well, let me give you an example, and let me tell you that sometimes the subject matter material for me And I'm no prude, but it bothered me because there was too much anti-gay stuff. I remember back in the day, we'd do a show with uh, grievances against the French. Remember Freedom Fries? They weren't joining in on one of our uh, battles against jihad. Anyway, uh, but George took it to the extent of kind of gay bashing. We used to debate whether gays should be more integrated into the armed forces This was quite a while ago, and George opposed it. He was in the military, and a lot of it just seemed a little homophobic to me. But what do I know? And I guess I didn't really mind because he would talk to me in that way. And truth be told, that I'm no great, sensitive, whatever. I have been for gay marriage forever, but I suppose in my life I've heard gay disparagements not reacted appropriately. I'm much more sensitive now because... We're all under threat, and anybody who would really make fun of gay people are going to make fun of Jews and do bad things to both groups. We've seen that through history. Hamas throws them off buildings. Putin is repressive. It's just what they do. So I don't find this funny. I mean, 
Back in the 50s, certain kind of jokes might have been acceptable. That's when I was born in the 50s. But it's phased out. It's from a pretty long time ago. George Brockler was on his show the other day talking with Billy. It's those early morning conversations. Sometimes when they think nobody's listening, that they reveal so much. And listen to George get off a wordplay joke that might have fit the Rat Pack back in the day at the Sands Hotel. This will give you an idea of what goes for conversation between Billy and George Brockler. I will be out of the saddle doing a little bit of fall break with the kiddos. I, um, I had asked if there was a way that I could do the show abroad. And uh, they said, no, you have to do it as a dude. No, they, I'm kidding. I, they said uh, no initially. Like, no, no, it's just a, a, too technically complicated. And, then, and I was like, good. you know. And then the other day, Kelly calls me in and he goes, I think we can make it work. And I'm like, oh, what? Um... Okay, maybe that's a little out of date, but who hasn't made a joke about being abroad? Okay, that's the way Frank Sinatra talked. Tony Soprano, it's okay. I bet Donald Trump talks that way. Anyway, here's where I think it gets a little extraordinary, which is a dental commercial that lasts several minutes. And when George does commercial, boy, does he, and apparently he's gotten to know somebody there named Shiloh out in Douglas County, and they have the same sense of humor that really tickles them because There's a laugh here between George and Billy at the end of this joke that involves a homosexual that's probably louder than I've ever laughed on the radio. Maybe that says something about me, or maybe it says something about them. Yesterday for me, Billy, was uh, Twin Aspen Dental Day. Yeah, how was that? You had people put hands in their mouth. They did. And first off, I think they've done me the solid of just sort of pre-designating me as Shiloh every time. Yeah, I I think it says more about you than anybody else. Well, and I I think it also (laughs) says something about Shiloh, which is... Anyone else here is at risk for quitting or suing, yes, exactly. but not Shiloh. No, for no, some no. reason, yes. Shiloh's completely yeah. fine. We'll go yeah. back and forth yeah. laughing about things that I think to myself, if anyone else comes by this little mouth cubicle or whatever yeah, we're doing it's gonna here, gonna, it's going to be a problem. Um, like for instance, and I don't mean this, she's telling me a story about a dude. She's like, I just was having a bad experience with this. Yeah. This first uh, first time customer, probably guys in his like mid sixties, just very gruff, not very happy, and all this. And I'm doing the little um, yeah. X rays. You know, they put those things in your mouth, and now they've oh, got I the like those. the yeah, yeah, me I too. And she says, you know, we've got to do like twelve of these things or something. And she's like halfway through, dude, who's just been nothing but stern and stoic the whole time, says, yeah. I could have never made it as a gay man. <laughs> and she's just she's like where did that come yeah, from where, but these are the kinds yeah. of ridiculous conversations that we have so i, I want to know what was going on in the guy's head it, at yeah that time, but, right 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 yeah, this is obviously- and i guess he followed that up after her laughter with i have a ridiculous gag reflex thought, what, the, what what the heck but she she's just great at what she does she gets in she gets out so that's a taste of what I'm going to give you a little more of after Bob Marshall is on the show. Because Bob Marshall woke up one morning to see a picture of him with that Confederate flag that he raised in parody of MAGA right before Steve Peck sucker punched him. 
And then Brockler, on the day after Trump has, uh, on Veterans Day, declared that interior people in America are vermin, and he's going to get them when he comes in, instead of talking about that kind of bigoted Hitler-like language, it was that day that George Brockler saw fit to post on his Twitter page an attack on Bob Marshall. Plus, he pretended like he didn't know anything about this situation, really, saying, I think I'm late to this. What is this video showing? And that's really wrong and disingenuous, as Bob and I discuss. Bob and I discuss it because George was the DA then. And the fix seems to have been in to screw Bob and to help this guy, Steve Peck. And who is Steve Peck? I've given George an opportunity on Twitter. I've asked that question as he plays like he doesn't know. But I'm going to prove to you that he does. Doggone it, I know George Brockler. And I've been saying this since I ran for Denver DA in 1996. Politics and prosecution are a very poor mix. I ran as an unaffiliated independent. I said political parties make for terrible outcomes if you mix it into a DA's office. And of course, I don't get to make the rules. And there aren't really any unaffiliated DAs that I'm aware of that have been elected. But most good DAs keep politics out of it. And I'm hoping that Brockler can and would but I don't think so anymore because of the way he's done things on the air and to satisfy Douglas County Republicans. But it's more than that. They didn't make him, you know, laugh at that gay humor. And what does it say about their attitude toward women anyway? The bottom line is I don't think George Proctor would be right to be Douglas County DA. I don't think he's running for CD4 because he said too much against the big lie. And I'd like to give him credit. I'd like to not be in any kind of war of words or tweets with him. But when you pick on my client, Bob Marshall, and when you distort the truth, then I'm going to react. Because once I'm a guy's lawyer in a cause I believe in, I stick with it. Even as an old prosecutor, some of my old cases come back 30 years later. I'm still in it for the fight on behalf of the victim. And Bob Marshall was sucker punched by Steve Peck and then for him to get sucker punched again on Twitter because Bob Marshall won elected office as a Democrat in Douglas County, which is supposed to be sacrosanct for Republicans. No, that's not right. I understand George Brockler is ambitious. I already said he's smart. But holy cow, how much are you willing to sell out to move up the ranks? And isn't that what causes horrible things to happen? We're talking about Hitler, but not George Brockler. He won't bring up the vermin comment or the poisoning of the blood for fear of alienating the people he needs to please in Douglas County Republican circles. And that's what I find disgusting. And I would say, okay, maybe when he wins, I'll come back and say, I needed to do this, Craig. Not that I really want to talk to him in a conversational way, because I think he does it on his own. 
and the way he picked on Polish Wiser and Griswold for the Tim Hernandez thing, as if they support Hamas, these three top Jewish leaders in Colorado. I thought that was bullshit, unfair. Who likes that kind of attack? Douglas County Republicans? So on the end of this show, I do a little investigation, and it it's almost as if Brockler wants you to believe that he's distant from the Bob Marshall situation. He knows I wrote a column in the Colorado Sun about it. I put the dash cam out there. He knows that the picture he put on Twitter is when Bob was doing a parody of MAGA right before he got sucker punched. And Brockler, with his humor and his parody, I don't advocate anybody getting violent with him or sucker punching him when he makes a funny voice imitating a gay person or whoever. He does it all the time. Little parodies. That's humor. You can't introduce violence. That's what a Putin does. And that's the thing about Putin invading Ukraine. When I was friends with Brockler and Kaplitz, they were both four square against Putin. And they would be on the side of Ukraine. And I think Dan still is. But holy cow, I found sound of Brockler giving a platform to this Steve Peck guy who sucker punched my client who supports January 6th, who supports Moms for Liberty. You'll hear that. I'm going to play the whole hour that Brockler did with Peck, the guy he pretends he doesn't know. And understand he does know him. At the end, they talk about having their coffees together. Of course, they know each other. Brockler and Kaplitz got so involved in that Douglas County School Board thing, and Peck was a member of that school board. Douglas County is the base of power in Colorado for Republicans, and George Brockler, who is probably one of the top two or three Republicans in this state. And I'm just going to hold him accountable here. And after the interview with Bob Marshall, who talks about Brockler, and I urge Bob to run against him for DA, I, I, I just want you to hear after that, if you want to stay tuned, to a bunch of interesting stuff. First and foremost, as I record this on the 17th of November, it was four years ago that the people at KNUS got together with a press conference. Stephen Tubbs, Peter Boyles, they organized it on a Sunday after my mic was cut on a Saturday and it made the national news. I was on Brian Stelter Sunday morning. There was Randy Corcoran and Kirk Whitland, who turned out to be a neo-Nazi, my former producer, claiming that I had on my nice blue suit when I got fired on purpose, and it was all in cahoots with Brian Stelter at CNN. It was a conspiracy theory. And the interesting thing about George Brockler is occasionally he tweets something good, like Barry Weiss, who is an interesting Jewish New York Times journalist who left because she's more conservative in a lot of ways. And she was invited to the Federalist Society, and she made the case for Israel. And I'm very familiar with Barry Wise, because I read her book, Anti-Semitism, which pointed out to me something I should have realized a long time ago, that anti-Semitism is a conspiracy theory. Because I used to think conspiracy theories were kind of innocuous, like Peter Boyles with his JFK conspiracy theories. But no, most of these end bad for the Jews. 
It's like they made up that conspiracy theory about me and Brian Stelter and CNN. And a lot of these anti-Semitic theories involve CNN and allegations of cahoots with the media and clever Jews, this and that. And I'd never really been victim of one. In fact, I'd been not really a victim of much anti-Semitism in my life until the last few years. Since that event, I started thinking about things and the people I was dealing with, Peter Boyles and his anti-Israel attitudes. And it's not so much Peter Boyles, who I never really was close to. I challenged him. He gave me a lot of opportunities. I challenged him on the air with regularity. Nobody does that anymore. But the bottom line is I did think I had some friends, some people like Brockler and Kaplis who had the intelligence and the decency to be on the side of the Jews if they were ever in danger from totalitarians, from Jew haters on the left or on the right. Steve Bannon types, Islamic Jihad types. And I see that threat from MAGA. I definitely do with that vermin comment. And it would be interesting to hear those guys post on Twitter about that, condemning it. Why don't they back Nikki Haley? What's wrong with her? If they hate Joe Biden so much, and I think that's just a caricature job, sure he's old. He's not perfect. Far from it. But to demonize and caricature him, that's what I've heard Dan Kaplitz and George Brockler do. And that's really disappointing. But if they honestly feel that way, that he's so bad, what's wrong with Nikki Haley? Why not back her against Donald Trump? She's decent. At least she's not calling people vermin. At least she's not emulating Adolf Hitler. But they won't even talk about that won't even seriously consider her. For one, their audience will get all over them. Their audiences are fully mega now, but fuck that. Come on, the country is at stake. Why not back Nikki Haley? They don't because they're intimidated. They've capitulated to MAGA. And that's what pisses me off about Brockler and how he's capitulated to the most extreme MAGA is represented by the Douglas County Republicans and Steve Peck. And you don't pick on my client. My God, you know, when I had Daphna Michelson Janae on and she explained how she worked things out with Tim Hernandez in the state legislature, and that's the mature way the Democrats handled it. Well, it didn't stop Brockler from still picking on these top Jewish officials for some kind of insufficient response. And I don't think that's right. But during that show, I declared a bit of a truce against Brockler and Kaplis because they are going to advocate for Israel. And we need all the support we can get. Daphne and I discussed that in the context of Speaker Michael Johnson. But I have sound after Bob Marshall. I'm going to play it where I don't know. Michael Johnson issues this prayer when he says America deserves to be struck down. And it's some Christian theology that scares the crap out of me as it gets mixed with government. And that's something these guys didn't get. But I was willing to set all that aside and have this ceasefire until... George Brockler launched on my client, Bob Marshall, 
who you will soon hear in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. And I am loyal to my clients, especially a guy like Bob who had the courage to stand up to MAGA several times. He was a Republican. He served his country. And to get this kind of cheap shot, sucker punch attack by George Brockler on the radio and on Twitter, dispensing disinformation on behalf of Steve Peck, as you will hear, I had Bob Marshall on. You can go back and listen to the episode. He described in exquisite detail what happened. He did that at his deposition, too. Brockler hides the fact that he knows Steve Peck, but now that we know that he does, why not put him on the radio show and describe what happened at Broadway and Highlands Ranch Parkway that late September day in 2020? And then George Brockler can explain how he handled it as a prosecutor. Not well, not well at all. Why? Because he's ambitious and he'll capitulate to MAGA. And I don't like it. I'm going to call it out. After Bob Marshall, I have so much more in the way of sound, including that press conference with Brian Taylor. And at the end, it's just funny. Well, it's, it's funny now. One, I don't want to work at 710. My God, who would? It's gone to crap. Stephen Tubbs is gone. They put a guy on who calls himself Officer Tatum. Are you kidding me? How does he get to keep that title? Because he was a Tucson police officer. He is fully Maggie. He's fully big lie. But that's what Salem is. That's where George Brockler works before he steps down to announce that he wants to be Douglas County DA. And guess what? He's going to get the support of Steve Peck. Why not? George Brockler sucker punched Bob Marshall. But you know when Bob Marshall got sucker punched by Peck? He whirled around, the Marine guy he is, and bipped him twice in the face. And the next day, Peck was complaining, hey, I got hit. Yeah, because you sucker punched a guy. And George Brockler sucker punched Bob Marshall, and we get an opportunity to respond. It's a beautiful thing. Stay tuned afterwards for that KNUS press conference. And at the very end of the show, I'm going to play the entirety of that Peck interview, Brockler Peck, the one that uh, he tried to act on Twitter like, hey, I don't even know what's going on here, but look at this picture. Anyway, it's a beautiful thing to have exhibits. Let me tell you what else I'll play at the end. What bothers me about Brockler is his association with that Joe Oltman. I guess who else? Brockler won't talk about now. Jenna Ellis. Jenna Ellis, who this week has the goods. Dan Scavino said, we are not leaving. The boss says we're staying. And by we, he means there's a conspiracy of him and Trump, and there's an exception to hearsay when it's a conspiracy. So Jenna's great witness. Jenna Ellis, she's turned it around. Maybe Brockler will someday. I've got sound of him. It's just extraordinary. But the best part of the show every week is Dave Gunders, our troubadour, with his beautiful music. And this week, you'll hear our discussion of his song, Let It Go Mama. And it's about older people, at least the way I imagine it, parental figures who are 
stuck on an issue, sort of like me being stuck on these relationships that really got severed four years ago and continued to untangle. At a certain point, I need to let it go, but at the same time, our country is at risk. These are thought leaders who need to be called out when they do bad things, and I will always protect my client. But it is four years since I got, thankfully, terminated at KNUS, and thankfully, I did not accept Dan's offer to go join him. That was never a done deal, and thank goodness, because Dan Kaplis, well, I've talked about him on other shows, and he sponsors George Brockler and the relationship between the two of them. Someday I might explain it because I was there. I understood the tension between them. I understood why when he got in a wreck, Brockler hired Thomas Harding. Thomas Harding, who was part of his Saturday morning show as a personal injury lawyer, had tell Capless bought that show, and he's bought a lot of AM radio. In fact, almost all of AM radio. He dominates there and does well in his practice, but at what cost to our community? I'm not going to let it go today, but I'm going to talk to the troubadour who may convince me to let it go here pretty darn soon. Anyway, the great part about my show is there are time codes you can skip around. If you like this, Case against George Brockler, you can skip ahead to after Bob Marshall, but Bob's got a lot to say about George, but about a lot of other things, because Bob is really a dedicated legislator, and he's getting a lot accomplished as the first Democrat from Douglas County in a good long time. This is an epic episode 182. Tell a friend, subscribe, share. Thanks for listening. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy. It's hot in here. Did that toaster catch on fire? It wasn't that. You choked on that bite of burnt bagel. Why is everything all red? The heat is unbearable. Where am I? Excuse me, your dishonor. May I step in on behalf of my client? Mr. Silverman, proceed. Tell me one redeeming good thing your client did. He was a faithful listener to my radio show. Not good enough. He had decency and compassion for his family. He did end-of-life planning with Michael Bailey. The Michael Bailey? That is kind to your loved ones. That is smart and way too decent for this place. Your client can go. And what about me, your despicableness? Why should I? Michael Bailey is my lawyer, too. Go on, then. Get out of here. <laughs> now, part of that was serious, and part of that was fictional. But you will die someday, and if you don't make a legal plan, the government will make one for you. Call my lawyer, Michael Bailey. His rates are reasonable, and he can meet with you and your spouse wherever you want, and on weekends and evenings. 720-394-6887 or online at MBLaw. LLC.com. Now back to the Fred Silverman Show. Hey, being a lawyer is a matter of judgment. You have to know the law, the facts, but good judgment is essential. If you don't understand how Donald Trump is culpable for the crimes committed in his name, then I question your judgment. I have the good judgment to question Donald Trump. If you want a lawyer like that, instead of a knucklehead who believes in the MAGA propaganda, call Craig, 303-734-7156, 303-734-7156. I am Craig. 
Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. Welcome to Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. It occurs to me, Bob Marshall, that you are the most frequent guest I think I've had on the podcast now. Well, that's... <laughs> it's only three times. That's uh, I guess I know, kind of a record. <laughs> I, like Tom Arnold's only been on once. It's like Saturday Night Live. I think Steve Woodrow, your colleague. Oh, yeah. He, he, he's been on... I think three times. Oh, okay. Yeah, Steve's a good guy. Is he pretty funny when he comes on? Or is he, yeah. Yeah, because I think he has a sense of humor, but he hides it a lot to be serious. So, He's yeah. a lawyer like you, and you come to my studio with a, a tie, top, button. I mean, holy cow. Well, I didn't have time to unbutton it, so. Now, I think you were telling me about the dress code for the special session. What is it? Oh, I think it's... Uh, a free-for-all. You know, they said they're relaxing it in jeans and everything, but that's really not my style. So um, I think if we're there, we, <laughs> you know, I, I don't fault my colleagues for wanting that's to be your relaxed. Yeah, that's your lawyer training, right? Yeah, and I think the Marine Corps, too. It's just, you know, there's a uniform of the day for what you're supposed to be doing. So Here's the thing. Unlike the Trump team on this civil case, I try not to chew my cabbage twice. So you've been on twice before and we've told your story and uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes the specific episodes because you've come on to describe your marine background you grew up in Evergreen as I recall that's right and then you went to the Marines and then you got a degree at Cornell are you proud of Cornell right now uh I guess not so much the undergrad but uh you know I was in the law school I haven't seen the law school in the news, so to speak. Right, so. and then your lawyer, you you go to Gibson Dunn, which is a huge firm. You work in the Denver office. Then you work for the IRS. We're going to get to that because of what uh, Mike Johnson wants to do as part of funding Israel, whether you think that's kosher or not. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. But people can get your background. Then we had a whole other episode, and I had a Colorado Sun column describing how we met because you stood up to Donald Trump. You were a Republican. John McCain disparagement pissed you off. And then you took to the streets of Highlands Ranch in one of the coolest protests ever. You became Biden Bob. Then you got attacked by MAGA forces. You stood up to him. One of them sucker punched you. You bipped him back twice in the face. You got me to sue him, or I came on board late. And right before I got to question him under oath, the guy said, can I pay and he paid $25,000, and he took the two punches to, to the face, and he admitted his wrongdoing. We covered that on past episodes, but how did that come up again this week? Oh, I guess uh, there's quite a few people who like to try and smear me with it because they have a little bit of an edited video, and uh, Mr. Brockler, um, former DA for the 18th Judicial District, has his own show, and he picked it up and started coming after me on Twitter, so... Right, because you picked up the Confederate flag after they broke your American flag, after they assaulted some young uh, teenage girls, and then you did a parody, George Brockler, a master of parody, even sometimes might parody my voice or whatever, doesn't mean you should be sucker punched. But the guy who did the sucker punching, his name was Steve Peck. In fact, the case 
that we won was Marshall B. Peck. And now the guy is the head of the Douglas County Republican Party, right? Yeah, I guess probably not a very good one because they just got uh, beat up pretty bad in the school board elections, which was very good. We got a bond, you know, not the bond through, but the mill levy override to finally get the teachers paid, which is fantastic. And we got three outstanding school board members elected who are, you know, again, you just take a step back and look at them objectively and you're like, their quality was just way above the opposition. Uh, it was a big thing too, because there was a lot of people, uh, you know, there's no way they couldn't have won without a lot of Republican votes in Douglas County. <laughs> so there were a lot of people who strayed over to vote right. for them. And you were campaigning. I follow you on Twitter. I follow Brockler. That's where I saw, I woke up and you guys were engaged in a battle because he put out that phony Confederate flag picture and he played stupid. He said, I'm late to this story. Yeah, about two years, except he really was involved in this story. What date did this happen when you got assaulted by Steve Peck? September 2020. So Brockler was the DA who, in my opinion, covered up the whole thing and gave a sweetheart deal to just let uh, the assault go away for Peck and then kept it coming after me. Uh, he was no longer the DA. He, you know, he was term limited and Kellner came in. And on the eve of trial, I, I wanted to go to trial. I wanted to put that in front of a jury. I, my God, I wanted to expose that whole thing and have, uh, you know, everyone get up on the stand because there was like twenty of these Trump supporters who were all saying, oh, "I hit him first. I hit him first. Um, lucky, luckily, thank God, there was a dash cam. Got the whole thing. Showed they were all lying through their teeth. I just wanted to rip them apart. And uh, of course, they chickened out at the last second. They wouldn't go to go to court. Right. And, and then that, you took it up and. Yes you know, pinch hitted the civil suit, totally won the civil suit. I mean, we probably could have done even a lot better if we had gone to uh, a jury. But, you know, the judge was insisting on putting the court date on election day <laughs> so or the or just the week before. And I had better things to do than just chase after Peck. Um, so you did an outstanding job of just closing it up for us. Well, maybe quick. if you hadn't hit him back twice in the face and he got hit harder than you, but he initiated it with a sucker punch. And I wrote a column about it, about how a Democrat won in Douglas County. And I put the dash cam video as a hyperlink. But George Brockler pretends like this is new to him. Oh, my God, I just discovered this without revealing any relationship between him and Steve Peck. Do you know what their relationship is? No, I have no idea, but I assume it must be pretty close because Mr. Brockler has very strong political ambitions and Peck is the head of the Douglas County GOP. And, you know, I can you can't win in Douglas County without uh, the GOP behind you. And I don't think you could even think of as a Republican of running in a statewide election without the Douglas County GOP behind you. Um, you know, El Paso is turning a little bluer tint than uh, Douglas. So I think the center of power for the entire GOP in the state left over is, you know, right there in Castle Rock and in Douglas County. Well, just like you wanted to go to trial, I wanted to get Steve Peck under oath. But the beautiful thing is I think there is this relationship between Brockler and Peck. And now that we've kind of sussed this out a little bit, he could ask Steve Peck what happened in the incident. And he could do it on the radio. Right. Just like you uh, agreed to talk about it on my podcast. We you had a complaint. I came in. One thing you might not have known about me, Bob, especially in my age. But if I become your lawyer 
and and we win. It's got to stay one. Right now, I'm battling on the Holler murder case. These two guys who killed Tom Holler, beat up Christina. They're trying to get out of prison, and I'm going to bite them. Because once I'm in on a case, I'm in on it. And I kind of declared a truce with Brockler because I, I want him to support Israel and all of that. Okay, But when he attacks my client, when he distorts what really happened in that case, when he thinks it's okay to sucker punch a guy because he uses his sense of humor, it's just not right. And so I'm going to speak out and I'm going to document it. And guess what I found out, and we're going to play at the end of my show, that even though George Brockler pretended like uh, he doesn't have a relationship, he did have Steve Peck on his show, one of those early morning visits, and it was an hour-long, uh, you know, sponge bath. It was softball. But Mr. Peck revealed himself. A Rand Paul supporter said the war in Ukraine is illegitimate. Just a radical right kind of mega-mega guy. And is that a fair characterization of this man? Oh, well, I definitely would think so based on his actions and his comments. Uh, like you said, you know, calling the war, you can make all sorts of arguments about how we probably should defend Ukraine and how much effort and everything, but to call the war illegitimate when they were just sucker punched, just like Peck sucker punched me. I mean, Yes, with zero pushback from Army Colonel George Brockler, zero pushback when the guy said it's an illegitimate war in Ukraine because Steve Peck may control Brockler's future. And I don't think he can win a race in CD4. Now, people have urged you to run for CD4, and I'm going to end all this with urging you to run for Douglas County DA because I listened to Brockler. He and I were friends. He's been to my house, this room. He's been on my show, episode 63. He brought Joe Oltman to KNUS, the guy who was a big part of the big lie for Donald Trump. We talked about that on episode 63. I remember that. But... Do you know what happened the day that he saw fit to label you some kind of uh, Old South sympathizer, like you're a real Confederate flag guy? Do you know that's the day that Donald Trump had declared that people were vermin, people like me, people who aren't white Christians. And, and rather than tweet about that and talk about a real bigot who's being compared to Adolf Hitler— he saw fit to post a picture of you with a Confederate flag that he knew you carried in parody, and he acted like he didn't know all this. I just think it's shameful, so I'm going to play that sound of him with Steve Peck where he starts the interview like, who are you? But toward the end, you can tell they've had coffee, and George is supremely ambitious, and he wants to be Douglas County DA. And... He'd probably made a calculation. You live out there, and you kind of proved them wrong by winning as a Democrat. But by and large, the district still supports Trump, even though he calls people vermin, even after he says the Hitler-like things. So Brockler can't go there because he's got to suck up to guys like Steve Peck who hold the power. And that's just disgusting to me. Does that make sense to you, Bob? Uh, yeah. I didn't really see if there's a question there. but <laughs> No, but I mean... Uh, I take offense. Well, you're the guy who they're portraying as some kind of bigot. I guess it's so ridiculous, but let me just put it to you. There's an image that Brockler wants to brand 
you as some kind of supporter of the Old South in the Civil War. Tell everybody how you feel about that sort of characterization. Well, anyone who knows me knows how ridiculous it is uh, completely. Uh, you know, that's been the big theme that the, you know, it's come us up all the time for the GOP down there because it's all they got on me. You know, they have to, and I've talked to a couple of the GOP officials down there. And la you know, there's been a couple of times where people have just flat out lied. And I'm like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff you could criticize about me, you know, and my politics or anything from a GOP standpoint. And I'll give you a list. There's some good stuff to come after me for. Why do you have to make stuff up? I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, you know, so making things up, um, you know, and, and again, is it a legitimate question to say, why would you parody them? Was that uh, the mature judgment call or anything? And, and of course, the problem is you, they can throw the picture out there and a picture is worth a thousand words. But if you hear my thousand words, you understand what happened. You're like, oh, well, that makes sense. And that's my point. We're not going to chew our cabbage twice, but I'll put in my show notes the episode. And I want to hear the George Brockler episode with Steve Peck. Let's hear his version. Come on, George. Let's be fair about this. So tell us about Douglas County politics and how low can it go? And let's start with the school board, because that's another thing that really ruined my relationship with Brockler. What he did in the school board races, along with my former partner, Dan Kaplis, at doxing as exposed by Kyle Clark. What's going on with the school board and all of that? Well, I think there's, uh, don't want to be careful on my words, I counterattack of you know, reasonable, rational people. We had a very right-wing board come in on the, you know, surfed in basically because of COVID on the anti-mask stuff. And I think they got in, you know, most people don't play, pay close attention to politics. They just don't, you know, so everyone saw all the hate and discontent that was going on. And these four majority board members that got in, they were campaigning saying they were going to bring boring back to school board meetings um, and that sounded good to everyone that doesn't really pay close attention. They're, all they'd see is, why is our school board on national TV with all this hate and discontent and yelling and screaming going on? And these people say they'll change it and become, well, they got in and it was the total opposite. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, the law breaking and the refusal to admit, you know, as you know, I, I've brought a couple very prominent um, sunshine lawsuits with regards to the Colorado sunshine law. I brought the one against the Douglas County school district. They fought it for a year and a half and they were caught dead to rights, wasted like a quarter million dollars of school money that could go to the kids, fought it nonstop. I brought one against the legislature, against my own party. Leaders were part of the ones who were defendants. Very difficult. But to give credit to my party leaders, they immediately said, yeah, you know, we got a problem. They entered into a consent decree immediately. We didn't litigate it to death. They didn't cost the taxpayers tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. They they said, look, you know, you're right. We got a problem. Um, and again, it's a problem they inherited it. You know, they didn't create it. It's just the way things had gotten so bad over decades down there. But again, the difference in character, you can just see that when someone's told, hey, you're doing something wrong, do you say, Oh, yeah, thanks. Let's try and fix it. Or do you say, you know, start attacking the messenger, which was ha happens down there in Dugco all the time. Every time I point out things that um, to me, you know, I, you know, people who know me, I'll usually come to people quietly. And I, I actually had quite a few right wingers when I was campaigning come up and get very angry with me. You want to confront me. We start talking about the school board stuff and they say, well, you know, we corded everything you ever sent to the school board. I read through a lot of it and 
You know, I, I was trying to help those people when they first got there. Um, and, know, ba and back to the school board yeah. and its relationship with the Re Republican Party. This guy who sucker punched you, Steve Peck, he was part of the Douglas County School Board, correct? Yeah, yeah he was an appointed member uh, for a while. He was part of what this group called the, Ref the Reformers that really drove the school district into the ground. Um, he was never elected. Um, you know, he's never won an election in Douglas County. Right, but, but he, they appointed he him. served. Yeah, he, he served on the school board. Yes. And, and, and so I think that it's important to talk about your character as a Marine, because once you join a battle, you stick with it, just like you walk those rounds as Biden Bob, carrying the American flag and the, the, the pro-Biden banners. That's what you did at that intersection. It's only when that got destroyed that you parodied these guys. So you stick with it and just, you got elected to CD43, HD43, right? Right. Highlands Ranch. But you're not content just to do your job. You're going to help your community by being active in that last school board race, right? And you helped some people who aren't Meshugana, that's the Yiddish word, while we can tell you, who aren't loco to make Douglas County School Board sane again. Were you successful in this last election? Uh, yeah. And again, the help I gave, I gave as much help I can, but it's pretty easy when you had outstanding candidates and they were. I know, but you're <laughs> out there doing this battle and I'm wondering why Brockler chooses to attack you. And it seems like a bit of a payback for you kicking ass or helping people kick ass on Douglas County school board race. Yeah, that that's possible. I mean, the one thing too, that really disturbs me about some of my GOP colleagues, a lot of them I like is some of them you know, it's kind of a weird question to ask sometimes that uh, some of them, honest to God, believe the stuff they say. And, uh, you know, it can be weird, vile, wrong, but you know, they believe what they're saying. The ones that upset me more actually are the ones, you know, they know better, but they're playing to the base, so to speak. You know, and I would think Brockler is in the category of someone who should know better and yet still would say and do weird stuff that you you're like really you really believe that in your heart um yeah so it's a little more difficult to well, he really wants to be douglas county da so he's going to go along with it which is what's going to ruin the country going along with this shit because it gets violent as that guy proved when he sucker punched you and then all those MAGA people lied even though the dash cam showed clearly what happened Will George Brockler talk about that? And it's kind of disgraceful before we leave him that he was the prosecutor when this happened. September, uh, October, November, December, and you were protesting your innocence throughout. And those sons of bitches, they, they gave you a ticket before they finally dismissed it. Now, Peck eventually had to plead guilty, right? Yeah, he got a deferred uh, sentence, so it all disappeared. But he had to plead guilty to just... Um disorderly conduct right with john kellner the uh, brockler's mentee handling the case but but where is brockler with that part of this story did you see that as part of his tweet oh no no he never brings that up that would that would be uh, a difficult conversation to have actually i would think right so after my interview with you i'll play some of this brockler sound with his friend steve peck he pretends he doesn't know him it's arm's length yeah as we listen, we hear more and more. And 
it sounds like he's a January 6th kind of guy, that those guys were wrongly accused. Was Peck out there in D.C. on the 6th? Do we know? I'm pretty sure he was, um, because I think he was part of the group that uh, got people to go out there. And then all of a sudden, everything about his J6 excursion immediately like the day after uh, just disappeared from all his social media and everything. Well, I'm sure Brockler will ask him about it next time he's on the radio with him. Yeah, I don't think uh, Brockler has any uh, interest in exposing any of the J6 people that we probably have in Douglas County, because I kind of suspect there's probably more than one hiding down there still. Uh, What do you believe Brockler wants out of Douglas County? Oh, I I have no idea. Well, I do. (laughs) He wants to be DA. He thinks he can have that new judicial district. You're a lawyer. Come on, Bob. (laughs) Come on, Bob. You've had your experience as a house rep. Run for DA. Well, if that may be the one thing that would get me to get in. I mean, if the GOP would actually put forward, you know, a legitimate person that everyone could trust, you know, that would be a different story. But, uh, yeah, the DAs, as you know, are just extremely important. Um, you know, to put the wrong person in that kind of position is just very, very bad. Well, Brockler likes to talk about how he's an army veteran, puts it on there. I don't know what the propriety is because he goes to drill. He posed on election day in his uniform. And yet he ridicules Joe Biden as incompetent, worse than Donald Trump. In fact, they had an advertisement where it said, oh, can you say something good about Trump? And Brockler said, he's better than Biden, not Joe Biden. I I don't know. I've never been in the military. Can an army officer say that sort of thing about the commander in chief? Not on active duty, but he's not on active duty when he's doing his shows and stuff. I mean, if he was on a drill weekend and getting paid that day. All right. Well, I know that, George, back when we were friends, he'd come in and he would sort of say, I can't rip Trump because he's commander in chief. And I I, I don't know. He tries to have it (laughs) every which way. And he's ended up pissing me off. And I'm not the only one. But he may be the Douglas County DA. And uh, I just don't think I don't think it's right to ignore Donald Trump and his crimes. And, And maybe I'm too obsessed with that as a former prosecutor, seeing my democracy destroyed. But I'm covering like crazy these trials. You're a lawyer. Now it's interesting. Maybe you're going to be the DA. Don't you see criminality? You know, we're on November 16th. We're taping this. Four years ago today, I got my mic ripped away. Yeah. And and they did it while I was excoriating Trump. And then immediately there was a tweet from a, a legislator, uh, and 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 I responded, and uh, next thing you know, uh, I was in all the papers, but my quote was at the top of the Drudge Report saying, I see criminality and corruption. This was during the U- Ukrainian shakedown, and I was going to talk about it, and I was talking about it. So I, I just think that Brockler has such a big platform, and right now Trump is acting like Hitler. And I think he should use it in the right way. Plus, I think he's like Al Capone with all his criminality. Am I seeing things that you're not, or do you see the same things? Well, I'm not totally following any of I, I mean, the on, on the crimes. He's got four indictments. I make him on the classified documents. Hell, I don't know if you had security clearance, but you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, 
that one's the interesting one because that is just so black and white. And in the military too, it's like some people innocently at, you know take home classified material all the time, and they bring it back. And you know usually they just do an investigation and say okay when they know. That was the problem there. They asked him for it multiple times. No, he had it. And he refused to get... I don't see how he's getting out of that one. I mean, you can make... Because he has a lay-down judge, a mega judge. He's <laughs> even bragged on that, and he will get away with that one. That's not going to trial. But January 6th, the whole fake electors, and it stretches to Dominion in Colorado. The big lie, that's set for March. That's the case I'm banking on. Jack Smith, Tanya Chutkin... I, I see him guilty as hell. How about you? Well, I do, but uh, you know, back I think the classified one is you got it and you had it. There's not a lot of mens rea involved in that. You know, thought um, the issues I see with the other trials is if he, you know, I haven't seen. I haven't been following this. Well, I yeah. have. And let me I tell mean, you. Let me tell if, you the law. I mean, Since you're going to be DA, okay? When you have to prove the act and you have to prove the intent, Jenna Ellis, yeah. who I used to share a microphone with frequently in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge, she said that at the Christmas party that his, Dan Scabino said to him, hey, you uh, you know we're not leaving regardless. The boss said so. Jen Ellis could be a star witness. So, and, and the bottom line is, even if you believe you really want, you can't lie in support of it. You can't uh, defame Dominion and sell that. that. That's a fraud. So Jack Smith has him cold. It's just about getting him to trial, and then people are uh, in Atlanta and flipping, and then we know what happened in New York, this civil case. I just think that uh, it, it's just disgusting to me that the Republican Party would be about to nominate this guy. You work under the gold dome with Republicans. Does it stun you? Yeah, it stuns me. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah, That's why I'm no longer a Republican. <laughs> it's just absolutely insane. Um but again, that's also a reason we only have 19 Republican colleagues, I would think. But uh, Right. You know, the, and you're one of them. By the way, happy Veterans Day. What was your rank in the Marines? Uh, a lieutenant Colonel. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. How is House District 43? Describe it. Uh, it is uh, suburbia on steroids, as we used to describe it. It's Highlands Ranch. I mean, it's uh, a planned community in that old California style because it was a California company that came out and basically bought um, Highlands Ranch up and started laying it out as a planned community. It's a, you know, a lot of people think, oh, it's like a Potemkin village, but that's how I kind of got uh, sucked into it. I did not want to live there when I first got there, came back to Colorado, but uh, it sucks you in. It sucks in a lot, a lot of people I grew up with in Evergreen, which is beautiful, but got sucked into Highlands Ranch because everything's just well run down there. Um, you know, I get upset if we don't have like the snow removed, you know, the next uh, day. And I'm sitting there watching the TV and people in Denver three years, three days later screaming that they still have snow piled up everywhere. So, you know, everything runs real well. The schools were well run. Um, you know, it was just a, a nice, and I got my districts almost like a perfect parallelogram. It's very, uh, laid out very compact no how does it break down republicans democrats independents well now it's we've they've slipped all the way down i actually pulled it up the other day and the gop in my district slipped right under 30 percent for the first time so and the democrats are at 21 and a half percent so it's been i've been trying to explain that too to democrats in douglas county that in 2018 there was 38 percent 
Republicans in my district and 22% Democrats. And then in 2020, it was 36% uh, Republicans and 22% Democrats. And then when I first announced to run, it was 33% Republicans, 22% Democrats. And then after I won, um, it got down to about 31, 32%, but 22% Democrats. And I tried to explain to colleagues, I'm like, they're not running to us. They're running away from the GOP. And I'd rather have people vote for us than just vote against the other side. So, you know, we're doing well and we're going to do better, but I, I don't want to win by default. I want people to be voting for us because they like what we're doing. Um, but well, yeah, let's, they're let's, slipping. Yeah, they're let's slipping. brag again about the history you made. When was the last time Douglas County had a Democrat in the state house? 1966. And I think that may actually be the last time a Democrat elected to partisan political office in Douglas County. Have you ever had a personal run-in with George Brockler? No, I never met the guy. And, you know, he and I have never had a, a a bad word together. I just listen to what he says. And again, I'm protective of you. And I keep hearing every once in a while when he's not disparaging Phil Weiser, he'll talk about Bob one-term Marshall. And he, he, why does he do that? Why does he pick on you? I have no idea. I, I mean, I actually, I do have a few ideas, but I even have VFW colleagues who will text me out of the blue and say, hey, Brockler's going after you. You know, they listen to him on the radio. They're old Fox News loving guys, but they know me and they, they, they're like, hey, he's ripping you again. And I'm like, I don't even know this guy. I don't know why he has it in for me, except, um, you know, maybe I have a lot of the qualities he wishes he had. And his buddies with Steve Peck, and it just feels like an extension of the Steve Peck sucker punch. But it, after George listened, he can reread my column. I, I'm sure he read it the first time, even though he plays dumb. I expect he listened to my interview of you, where you had your deposition taken. You weren't afraid to go under oath. It was the other guy. But George Brockler's his buddy. He's got four hours every day he can put Steve Peck on again. And instead of touting how Ukraine's an illegitimate war and how Rand Paul's the greatest thing, he can describe what really happened, you know? And let's hear his version. I'm sure Brockler will do that. Yeah, well, I'd wish he'd be under oath when he tells his version, because of course they lied all the time before. And it, it was only because of the threat of actually having to go under oath in court that they chickened out and settled ASAP. Let me tell you something else I like about you, Bob Marshall. It's when Ukraine happened and Russia just attacked brutally, violently, just like Hamas did to Israel. You reacted and uh, tell everybody what you did. Well, I feel a little funny about it because I, you know, you always feel like you should have done a lot more and still do more. But uh, I had a, I clerked for Judge Seiler and one of my fellow clerks. Judge Tyler, and this part of another episode, fantastic conservative judge in Ohio? Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Sixth Circuit, though. Okay, same area. And he is legendary, and you were one of his law clerks, an appellate judge. Right, right. Well, so one of my fellow clerks, um, he spoke Russian and uh, texted me out of the blue and said, well, I'm going to Ukraine to help. I'm like, why? What can you do? And he said, I don't know, but I'm just going to go. Well, he took off and uh, went there, you know, because my background, I'd spent a lot of time in war zones and everything. I'm like, you're just going to show up. You're just sucking up resources that can go elsewhere, you know, unless you're providing value. It's not good just to show up. And then uh, like three weeks later, it was Easter 
and there was this picture around the world. He got in, you know, newspapers, front page, all over the place of uh, him dressed up in this big pink bunny outfit, welcoming uh, Ukrainian kids across the bridge into Poland. And, it, you know, it, it was a huge help. <laughs> it was, and I was like, okay, if he could do, I mean, he was the the morale boost for these kids who've lost everything. They're coming to a new country, don't know. And then you got this giant Easter bunny arms open. So I was like, okay, if he can do that. Um, so I was with an organization that uh, was willing to, they were real interested in helping. And so they helped sponsor me to go over and do a refugee assessment. And so I went to Poland to do a refugee assessment on the border. And then a colleague who was in Kiev came and we started talking and uh, everything was pretty calm at that time at the border, um, things running real well. And he said, well, we got problems in Kiev. Why don't you come to Kiev? So I said, well, okay. So we just jumped on the train and went to Kiev and uh, you know, I brought him a lot of solar panels, um, which was a huge thing, the little portable solar panels. Uh, for multiple reasons, they were, very, you know, because it's a citizen's war, um, being able to charge your cell phones or, you know, have your lights charged. Um, and as my colleague pointed out, you know, he's like no heat signature either. So, you know, if you're down in a bomb shelter, you can't be running, you know, gas generators or anything because the heat signature can be picked up. But, you know, you have these solar panels and you have a little generator, the battery to store the power too. you know, you could do it direct from the panel. Um, so they were a big hit. I'm glad I brought them and, you know, was hoping to get more to them. But uh, yeah, it went, it went pretty well. We went around. They wanted me to go on a run to the front with them too, to deliver supplies. And, uh, I really wanted to do it, but I also had to be a grown up and realize it was just kind of war tourism. If that's what I did. Um, you know, so I really, I was more valuable getting stuff for them in the back rather than, you know, <laughs> trying to relive that you're, you know, in your twenties. So here's another thing I know about you. Not only have you served this country, but your incredible daughter as well, an officer in the Navy, I know you're proud of her. You can't say a lot, probably, but uh, you love America, and I admire you for that. And why do you think Americans should care about what's happening in Ukraine? Well, uh, you know, I think it's uh, um, a huge problem with, um, you know, Putin obviously is on, you know, it, in world affairs, you don't want to paint everything in black and white and forces of darkness and good, but sometimes it comes down to that, <laughs> you know? You know, Ronald Reagan's shining city on the hill or, you know, it, you know, sometimes it's uh, one, you know, communism's bad and capitalism's good. America's good and the communism was bad. I mean, there was all sorts of nuances and say, well, America's not as great as everyone says. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And communism isn't as bad as everyone says. And you see all the nuances. But at the end of the day, it was like, yeah, but communism's bad and America's good. It's the same thing here. It's like at the end of the day, you know, the there, there's a is, there's a good side and a bad side. Yeah, and you don't get violent. You don't give it just like Steve Peck sucker punching you. He had to be held accountable, and we did that. Putin sucker punched Ukraine, and in terms of good versus evil, right versus wrong, that Hamas attack October 7th, my world still rocked. I feel like it's Pearl Harbor and 9-11. How did it, did it affect you? Uh, yeah, quite a bit. I got to be careful what I say at times because I'm also, uh, I'm kind of a realist in terms of how things happen. Um, you know, so of course we have a lot of colleagues quite upset about, um, the Israeli response, but I'm, you know, I'm like, what do you expect? <laughs> what do you expect them to do? Of course it's going to be an overwhelming response. Uh, the only long-term issue I, you know, political terrorism has a purpose 
um, and it's usually meant to provoke a stronger opponent into doing something. Uh, and sometimes you got to be aware of that dynamic because um, we got sucker punched by Al Qaeda. And again, it was like a, a gnat, you know, biting an elephant and the elephant starts stomping everywhere. And, you know, and that's what's going to happen. But um, hopefully you can come to a controlled force rather than, uh, uh, you know, being overly uh, vindictive, so to speak, because that's the, you know, that's a part, but you got to think it through on the long term what you're going to do. All right, but let, let, let's just talk about the military goal, yeah. okay? We agree you have to wipe out Hamas and their military capability, their terrorist capability, correct? Yeah, I mean, how, they've proven that they can't sit there and live with Hamas. Right, right, and, yeah. so, and they derive their power by hiding in those tunnels, correct? Well, that's not all their power, but yeah, that's where they right. hide. <laughs> uh, but at a minimum, we have to wipe out the tunnels. And when I say we, I mean the Jewish state of Israel. Yeah, but I mean, world. you you say that, but you you know at, at what cost and at what price and right. for yes, that would be the ideal. And but, and, but again, you leave and they tunnel again. <laughs> what? Yeah. So. No, I, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an intractable problem. And then let's go to your colleagues, uh, Representative Joda. I mean, I I tweeted back at her this morning. This is Thursday. Really disappointed for her to call it genocide. That Tim Hernandez. I had Senator Dopna Michelson Cheney explaining the backstory, how she talked to him. He apologized, but now he's saying genocide. And as I wrote in the Colorado Sun, it's okay to protest Israel, or as you've talked about, they could be guilty of an overreaction, right? And and too much collateral damage, absolutely. But when you start throwing around the word genocide, then you are really setting up the Jewish state of Israel for genocide, right? These words really matter, in my opinion. Do they matter to you? Uh, yeah, they do. I mean, because again, I, um, you know, the word I think is, you know, because I've done quite a lot of research in it. I've actually, when I was at Georgetown, um, did some work for the Holocaust Museum before it opened. You know, so I have a long, I took a whole course on it. I've had a little bit of a collection, so I've been interested in the subject for a long time and, uh, you know, took international human rights law. Um, I just don't think that is Israel's goal is, is genocide. And I realize they have a lot of sloppy lawyer thinking that just pulls that word out. But the word is meant for, you know, basically wanting to wipe out an entire group that has immutable characteristics. And yeah, like the Hamas charter. Yeah, so I mean, again, there's, and again, I, I've never read the charts. So I've I heard have, different things. I have. Yeah. It says there's a Jew behind a rock, go kill him. Yeah. So I mean, again, if they're not anti Israel and it's anti Jew, it doesn't just say go kill the Jew. It explains why. Because yeah. they use our uh, blood in their rituals. They have to kill our children. They want to take over the whole Middle East. They want to take over the world. They want to. Uh, control the money. They repeat the protocols of the elders of Zion. I mean, it's not just that they say, we get, we have to get rid of these Jews, but they explain all the character flaws. So it's like the most racist thing in the world that touts genocide. And I submit to you, that's why they throw that word back at us, because they realize the Hamas and these Islamist terrorists, Islamic Jihad, who has 40 hostages, that they want to 
uh, commit genocide. That's what I think. Have you been to Israel? No, I have not. Um, I'm no expert on all of this, but uh, it is going to have repercussions under the Gold Dome. What are you anticipating? Um, I don't know. I, you know, the special session, or I, I don't know, and I hope not a lot. That's actually one item that really kind of concerns me um, overall for our country too. Is and I, I know your perspective and very, very strong pro-Israel, and I'm pro-Israel. I mean, push comes to shove, we're going to support Israel. Um, but it does disturb me where people get so myopic. Um, you know, they view the United States and Israel as totally together, or they view um, the pal- people who want to drag and talk about our, my community, my community. It's like, well, you should be an American first, and let's look at it from an American perspective, not just Israel's perspective or the Palestinians' perspectives. Um, you know, it's kind of my concern, you know, bringing all that to our shores. <laughs> it's just like. Right. I'm bringing it to the DNC where they tried to break in last night. Palestinian demonstrators, hundreds of thousands of supporters of Israel went to DC, no problem. And now on the Bay Bridge, as we speak, Palestinian supporters shut down the Bay Bridge, trying to disrupt the Xi meeting uh, that summit. I think Biden's done a pretty good job. I've watched a lot of that summit. I know he said she's a dictator when asked. That's just part of his honesty. The guy is a dictator. What do you want him to say? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one good thing about Biden. It is a little concerning, though, that, uh, you know, because of the large uh, Middle Eastern population of Michigan, if they really do get angry enough that they, not that they would vote for Trump, but sit home, that could be a gigantic problem um, to lose Michigan in the Electoral College. But uh, again, I hope that that doesn't come to it and people put America. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say America first, and that makes me sound like, no, I yeah, you know, what it makes me sounds like. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, America as America for its principles. And I'm just thinking is. of some Democrat in Michigan who needs to appease that, like Brockler needs to appease Steve Peck, or maybe Brockler is that way. I don't know. Um, but I worry about Douglas County. And when I got up for my breakfast uh, coffee and I saw that you and Brockler were engaged and he acted like he didn't know what was going on, you had some response to him about all the, well, something about what you have to put up with in Douglas County, all the crap that the Steve Peck types have done out there, including that display at the uh, Pride Fest. What was that about? Yeah, that was kind of disturbing. I mean, they tried to legally stop Pride Fest, and instead they decided uh, they had a group that was affiliated with this Abel Shepherd, and again, they tried to put themselves separate from it, but it was clear Abel Shepherd, the organization, came down and uh, they tried to, they stopped the G-rated JAG show um, by standing up and wearing these shirts, but they just stood up and stood on the benches and everything and blocked the view. And um, they said, oh, we're just protesting. It's like, well, you can't do that in a Shakespeare festival. You can't do that in a movie theater and prevent people from watching it. That's that's not protest. At that point, it becomes a crime. Um, you know, and regardless of who it is, I'm a big believer. Look, if my progressive colleagues want to shut down a highway to make a, a point, okay, good. Yeah, that's part of America's great civil rights history is you're willing to accept the consequences to make your point. 
these people were they thought they were going to get away with it completely and they basically had yeah, they were able to intimidate a lot i had an eight-year-old he was like eight years old right next to me crying his eyes out in terror worried what these men were going to do to his sister who was uh you know older and there and i guess part of the lgbtq community and he was just absolutely terrified um but yeah, I don't think my colleagues in, you know, Democratic colleagues in Boulder or Denver you know, quite understand some of the issues we have to deal with down there. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're in their world and we're in our world, but, right. but I wish they would have a little understanding and empathy for what we have to go on, do down there. So, Well, I heard Brockler say that Douglas County is now more conservative than El Paso County. And he was bragging on that. Is that true? I think that's that's I think that's absolutely true. Like I said, I think Douglas County now is the last citadel of uh, conservative republicanism in uh, in Colorado. Um, and again, I don't really consider myself a progressive. And people joke with me all the time about uh, I, I'm. There's no question I'm the most conservative Democrat in the state house. Um, but all right, I want you to be the DA. And uh, believe me, we can hire good people. And your sense of right and wrong, I think just on Donald Trump, calling him out like you did. That's how you came to fame. So I think you'll get that respect. And God willing, with Jack Smith doing his thing and uh, Tanya Chutkin being a strong judge, the tide will turn and you can win. And people will say, we're not going to elect a DA who didn't speak out against Donald Trump. We're not going to elect a DA who misrepresented what really happened when Steve Peck sucker punched Bob Marshall. We like Bob Marshall. In fact, I'm only worried that you might run for Ken Buck's seat and win that instead. Aren't you in CD4? Do you think a Democrat can win that spot? It would have to take a lot of lightning, but um, you know, it's a plus 20 GOP district, and I've told people that have asked me about it that, uh, yeah, I think I could turn 8 to 10, but that next eight, you know, 10 to 12 would just be so difficult to turn. But people have made arguments, well, half the population's in Douglas County, but I'm like, it would be a hard race to win Douglas County. And people are <laughs> asking you to run because you are a rising superstar. And, you know, I'm, if you run for re-election, you've already been a representative. I want you to be the DA. I think you could be. Yeah, but I have supporters giving up, again, after getting that toehold, um, you don't want to be the dog with the bone, you know, looking in the water. And um, and again, it's right. not it's not all about me at all either. It's you know, all the supporters I had down there are very uh, anxious to make sure that we are able to hold HD 43 because I expect the GOP will come after me with everything if I run again for it. I know, uh, but you'll have me backing you up and I'll drive that army cheap. And the other thing that I think qualifies you is even though you haven't been a criminal prosecutor, you were part of the government enforcing laws, the IRS. I want to ask you about the legislative process in the U.S. House where the new speaker, this Mike Johnson, says, yeah, we'll give money to Israel, but it's got to be conditioned on... Uh, getting rid of all those IRS agents who are going to crack down on rich guys. I thought, what a great guy to ask. Bob Marshall was one of those guys cracking down. What does all this mean? What's your reaction? Yeah, I mean, it's people who actually understand what's going on with the IRS on that extra money have no clue how bad they've hollowed out the IRS in terms of the people that are able to go after the big money. 
that's hiding. I was in the large business and international litigation division. And, you know, you know, of course, the IRS, I'll be blunt, they're the most ethical legal organization I've ever been a part of. And I've been a part of a lot. They always were trying to do everything above board. And the lines were drawn to stay away from them, not even to go near them. But uh, the money that it was frustrating because you'd get these massive companies and individuals and they knew they would owe like a hundred million dollars we knew they owed a hundred million they knew they owed a hundred million um but they knew they could spend two to three million dollars on some high-priced law firm in dc and drag it out for five or six years and we'd have to do the math and say well then we're gonna have to put 10 or 12 man years of high-powered attorneys on it um we'll settle for 30 million Right. Or they can give a couple million to the Republican House Committee and make sure that the guys are never hired to even bring the action. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, again, the IRS is a pretty upstanding uh, organization, really. And the if you look at the stats, I didn't believe them either for a long, but it, they were true. You know, there's about $250, $300 billion a year in unpaid taxes legally unpaid, not money that the government's going to try and steal from people, as the GOP says. I mean, this is money that is legally owed by rich people, mainly rich people um, and rich corporations that just don't want to pay it and can find ways to hide it. And they just don't have the manpower to go find it. And, you know, that's what that money's made for. I mean, how much of a dent can you put into the deficit if you could collect just 60 cents on the dollar of that missing 300 billion? You know, that's $180 billion a year. You can do a few things with 180. Heck, I think our state budget, our entire state budget's only like $38 billion. Well, what about this Michael Johnson and his priorities and the fact that he's conditioning aid to Israel on something like that? And the rich people who get paid, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, that makes, really leaves a bad taste in my mouth that they would condition something that important. Again, as they used to always say, you know, politics stopped at the, you know, at the border, at the short water. Yeah. For the, during the Cold War that, uh, you know, we were Americans first. So if it's in our interest to take care of Israel, it's in our interest to take care of Israel, period. Why are you conditioning it on anything? The same with Ukraine. It's like, why would you condition it on another item if it's in our interest to protect the Ukraine? Well, I'll tell you why because Donald Trump tells him to. It's the MAGA party, he controls that house, and he's promising retribution. I'm gonna ask you just a couple of questions about uh, Donald Trump as a criminal defendant. I'm betting you for DA. Do you think it's appropriate for him to put a baseball bad picture next to the head of Alvin Bragg, the guy who's prosecuting him in New York? Do you think it's okay for him to call Jack Smith, the federal prosecutor, uh, the guy who prosecuted war crimes in The Hague, is it fair for him to call him a deranged thug and talk about his family too? Is it fair for him to attack Bonnie Willis and uh, Tish James? Do you think that's right in our system of justice, counselor? No, it's not right. I mean, there are First Amendment issues, but yeah, that's, especially the families, cause that's a clear issue because uh, they're not public figures in any sense. Um, well, you just spoke out there more than I've heard George Brockler speak out against it. And he's part of this system. And if you're going to be a prosecutor, seems to me you have to stand up against shit like this. Yeah, there's a First Amendment right. But when you take it to the family, this guy's gone way too far. And the other thing, and I think about you, I think about me, I think about a lot of people. There are pictures of you 
and what you did in Highland Ranch to protest Donald Trump. In fact, you helped turn Douglas County around in Highland Ranch in favor of Joe Biden. You are a prominent Democrat on the rise. If he gets elected, he's promised retribution. What do you think about that? Do you ever worry, hey, I could get locked up for this? Yeah, I don't think I get that worried. I mean, I'd be more worried about the Douglas County GOP and their you know, law enforcement and DA, not directly from, you know, getting their marching orders from above. Yeah, on the, the entire culture. The culture is getting, getting really bad. You know, it's like, you know, I never, you know, I was a Republican, a strong Republican for 30 plus years, and I never hated that my Democratic colleagues, I always, you know, just had different ideas. And I would tell people all the time, it's like, you know, there's socialists and communists in the Democratic Party, but it's not a socialist or communist party. And the same thing with the Republicans. Were there fascists and authoritarians in the Republican Party? Yeah, but it was never a fascist or authoritarian party. Unfortunately, now it looks like they've let that fascist and authoritarian element take them over and they keep screaming the socialists and communists have taken over the democratic party they haven't i mean <laughs> you can listen to the you know the the colleagues that are socialists and communists are angry as heck that the democratic party is not but they're still there because again we have a two-party system but unfortunately it looks like uh you know one of our parties has given up on you know america really they keep talking about make america great again it's like uh, you know Don ronald reagan always thought it was great <laughs> always it was still great so um yeah i don't know what to say and i'm fried well, i forgot I'm just the question saying that that's part of your campaign speech for da because it seems to me that if you can't speak up against this promised retribution on the part of the presumptive republican nominee then you're really not fit to be a da i, I, I you can make accommodations hey i'm running in douglas county i have to say this i have to go along sure i have a big platform but when uh Trump calls people vermin. I can't really speak out against that. Can you condemn that, Bob Marshall? Don't you think that's awful? Yeah, and again, I, I'm pretty uh, reticent on just condemning people, but yeah, I could condemn that all day long. And I condemn things from my own side too. Uh, you know, that's it, you know, it makes a lot of problems. But um, again, I usually try and do it privately. Um, you know, criticize in private and uh, praise in public, but. Uh, you know, we got to hold all of us to a, a higher standard in politics if we want to move forward. Right now, it's just nasty. Right. And that Douglas County School Board fight embodied it. And I listened to that Brockler sound that I'm going to play, his interview of Steve Peck. And Peck was a big backer. He was trying to tout his school board candidates. And he said, just follow what the Moms of Liberty say. And then they both said, yeah, they're a great group. And you know how you know that? because the Southern Poverty Law Center doesn't like them. That's like a badge of honor for them. If they get called a racist, then that proves that they're great. If the ADL condemns you, well, that's a sign of greatness. Ask Elon Musk, holy cow, what a backwards world. But I don't know that much about that school board race. Do you know what he was talking about? Moms of Liberty, Smarter Colorado, or something like that? Yeah, there's quite a few groups that are behind. And the, the, the scary part about the school board races is it is like a coordinate. They're always screaming about the unions, the unions, the unions. And in fact, I was accused when I brought the 
open meeting lawsuit that I was being funded by the unions. <laughs> I'll tell anyone, if they wanted to give me money, I would have taken it all day long. I had no pride with that, but they were not offering. I didn't get a cent or any help. Uh, did it on our own. But they complain about the unions, but uh, there is a coordinated effort going on by right-wing organizations to take over these school boards. And I didn't realize it until the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition asked me to be a panelist um, on the Sunshine Law acts I was doing. And they had journalists from across the state and other counties that called into the program to talk about their experiences that were going on in those counties out there. And they were the exact same playbook, step by step by step. And you realize, holy moly, it's the... It, you know, it can't just be by accident. It's and, coming from podcasts. Steve yeah. Bannon organizes yeah. this. Well, no, well, and Brad Miller is one of the attorneys that you know advises so many of these school boards on, and he was giving advice too on how to get around the you know make sure. Who is that? Uh, Brad Miller. Yes. Yeah, he's an attorney that um, advises a lot of these right wing conservative. Oh, I don't boards. know about that. Yeah, I've heard of Moms of Liberty. They they pride me as kind of a white Christian nationalist group. Is that fair or I don't know? Uh, yeah. And, and again, it's difficult sometimes because you get uh, good people that get, uh, you know, sit there. I have older neighbors that watch Fox News and you can talk to them, but then they come back and they're like, uh, I just couldn't vote for the candidates you, you like, Bob, because of all that CRT in the schools. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> no, they're, they're not teaching CRT, the critical race theory in, in the schools. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll tell colleagues myself too. I mean, I actually have a pretty good understanding of that because, um, you know, it, it's the grand grandchild of American realism and it's the, you know, child of, um, um, critical legal theory, obviously. And I did have a pretty good background in both American realism and, um, critical legal. Now studies. you're just bragging about your IB league. Well, education. no, no, but no, no, it's but, good. But, well, again, were though, you smart enough to understand HH? Uh, yeah, I don't like talking about HH. Much. That's all right. You're going to be in the special session as yeah. this airs. Well, well, well that, that's something I do have to get out is, unfortunately, I was at, I did uh, this bill, SB, I was the prime sponsor on this uh, bill that made uh, um, assessment appeals easier and streamlined them and put them out better. And that was SB uh, 23304. Prop HH was SB 23303. And the governor signed them at the same time, and I went to the bill signing ceremony, and I probably should have thought it through better. So uh, the Denver Post and all the you know papers, every time they're talking about Prop HH, they put the picture up with me right there, smiling right next to the governor. And the GOP in Douglas County came after me and said, look, Bob Marshall supports Prop HH. And I was, only, I was one of seven Democrats that actually voted against it. But because, uh, you know, again, a picture is worth a thousand words, um, you know, and you know, the journalists, you know, they just slap up that picture and they're like, oh, well, governor signing SB 23303 for Prop HH. I was like, no, no, no. You know, I'm right there smiling and, you know, big picture. And the GOP likes to, like I said, twist things around and lie about it. As we wrap up, Bob, I'm reminded that it was Dylan Roberts, who was a state rep back in the day, who tweeted after I got my mic cut something about liking me because I didn't toe the party line. And I tweeted my thanks. And that's what ended up my quote on the lead on the Drudge Report four years ago. Now, sadly, it's all about Elon Musk uh, declaring that the Jews have it coming, crap like that. 
You know, I never really felt anti-Semitism a lot in my life. But during that termination and when they made up conspiracy theories about me that I set it up with Brian Stelter at CNN and Randy Corcoran was a witness against me. He was wearing a blue suit. They just made up a whole conspiracy theory and people went with it. And as I've learned and as we talked about with the Hamas charter, conspiracy theories are bad. I don't know if you've studied that in your vast education, but uh, it can lead to bad results as people get misinformation. I'm worried about social media on this Israel-Hamas situation, all the anti-Semitism. Is there anything you can do as a legislator on stuff like that? Um, I don't know about the state level. And again, the First Amendment issues are huge with the social media. It's obviously a huge swamp, <laughs> putrid swamp, you know, Twitter and all that. And these kids, too, I've had uh, progressive parents tell me, you know, their kids are getting all their news off TikTok right. and these videos. And, you know, they have all these Palestinians, you know, and they're obviously in deep dire distress yes. and the distress of course you know bleeds over into the the younger people that um get very upset about it and right and exactly as hamas intended yeah and and again so that's like i said political terrorism has a purpose you know do so, you think china can say whoa this world is scary and we really don't want to be hanging around with vlad putin do you think she and biden can have a rapprochement that could kind of put other people to the side and quell all this chaos going on. I, I'd like to dream that she would say, you know, I've met Donald Trump and I think I like Joe Biden better in the long run. Yeah, I think a lot of statesmen out there, you know, for their countries you know, would prefer um, a calmer, you know, the, the worst thing you can have is someone you don't know what's going to happen. You know, if they make a sudden move or a sudden choice and uh, uh unfortunately i don't think uh the former president before biden was uh very reliable you know when he'd say things like he'd abandon nato or right you know he would give he'd default on the u.s debt i mean <laughs> it's like you know just crazy stuff you are a republican for 30 years uh nikki haley she seems like a decent person i don't make her to be a super villain, the way I regard Trump. Why wouldn't a rock-ribbed Republican just support her right now? Maybe they'll vote for Trump if he gets the nomination, but why not work hard to have somebody like Nikki Haley instead of Donald Trump? Yeah, I think they're just too scared to cross Donald Trump. Right. They're all just scared. Uh, you know, I, you know, once they have you know, taken over the party and now it's just... Uh, uh, you know, fear that's keeping everyone in line, I think, over on that side. Well, why don't you stay in line? What's that? Why didn't you stay in line? Why Why do you stand up? Why did you do that protest so a MAGA guy could sucker punch you? I mean, why Why are you out in public being a legislator? You could have had a, a great career at Gibson Dunn. You could be retired by now. Yeah, I don't know. It's just part of my makeup. It's one of the reasons my Democratic colleagues in Douglas County can... Uh, yeah, I'm very fiscally conservative as, you know, and like I said, I'm probably the most conservative Democrat. But one thing I just do not, I can't stomach or tolerate is people mistreating other people. Um, and they see that, you know, it doesn't matter if they're, um, you know, where they're coming from or who they are or whatever. Um, I just have a deep visceral dislike to people being mistreated. 
All right, Saturday morning is when this drops. You know that you're a veteran of the show. Friday, you'll be under the gold dome, and then you have two more days, Monday and Tuesday? Um, it's supposed to be three days straight. But that's a, Oh, Saturday, Sunday. So what is your bottom line, and what do you think is going to happen? Oh, it's unfortunately become a bit more of a free-for-all. Everyone thinks it's supposed to be just about property taxes in that summer feeding program, but there's like seven items that the governor actually put in the call for the special session. So, um, you know, my constituents pretty much thought the whole thing is just about property tax, but um, the progressives, for good reason, are quite upset that, oh, you know, property taxes go up 40% to 100% and everybody makes it an emergency, but rents have been going up astronomically and no one cares. So they want to see a lot of, you know, things to take care of lower income people, understandably, like the earned income tax credit, expanding that and doing some rental subsidies and um, the flat tax Tabor refund. And a lot of those things I think I'm going to be able to support in the end. I, you know, again, I have no problem with that. I just have a lot of problem with the process. The reason we got in trouble on Prop HH is we did a last second, (laughs) you know, spastic thing at the end. And now we're doing another last second spastic emergency, uh, you know, session to push something through in three days. So we'll see. Again, there's probably going to be about seven bills coming out at the end. Um, Are you one of the key people? Because I think you understand this, given your background as a lawyer and working with the IRS, you understand numbers, figures after a couple of years now, probably the budgetary process. I have to think you're one of the top people who can understand this stuff. Is that true? That may be, but that doesn't mean I have influence. Um, unfor- you know, again, I'm kind of um, the redheaded stepchild down there and the weird unicorn you know, Democrat from Douglas County. So um, you know, I- I'm not in with the group, so to speak, and I have a few ideas I'd prefer to do on my own. And nice, Bob. And are there any Republicans you might be able to work with on this? On Well, when you say work with on Well, what? I mean, because you're kind of fiscally conservative. Is there any way you can leverage that to get some bipartisan cooperation or are the Republicans just oppositional? Yeah, a lot of them do. But I was the only Democrat. I broke ranks in uh, March. Yeah, I knew this property tax thing was going to be huge when I got elected. And I went down there. And I was asking people, what are we doing about property taxes? And I kept being told, no, don't worry about it. the governor's doing a huge plan. Um, don't do anything. I was like, okay. Well, I'm on the finance committee and we come around March. Nothing's happened still. I haven't heard a word. And uh, a colleague from uh, Douglas County, Republican one, uh, Frizzell, had a bill that was just going to cap property taxes for 5% for the next three years. Um, it didn't mean we had to negotiate, you know, settle on the 5% and we didn't have to take all three years, but it would have been a timeout so everyone could be calm and we could do a long-term transparent solution that everyone could, you know, work on. You know, we didn't have to let it run the whole three years and I was willing to co-sponsor it, but again was told, no, 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 the governor's doing something. Don't, don't cross ranks. But uh, when it came to the finance committee, I just had to make the, I, I broke ranks that um, voted for it. It was the only Democrat who ever, who did, but it was, uh, you know, the thought of a good plan now is better than a perfect one later. Um, but, you See, know. that's what I love. You're not bound by party orthodoxy. And I just done with that. And I've been tough on my old friend, George Brockler, but what a political tool. What a hack. And George Washington, he warned us about political parties, right? If you get too partisan, that's why I've always been proudly unaffiliated, because... I played team sports. Somebody starts a fight, 
like Steve Peck. I don't want to defend him. You sucker punched a guy, right? How do you defend that? How do you uh, tell such a misleading part of the story, George Brockler? Anyway, I got that off my chest. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're parting words. I'm, I'm defensive. You're my client. It's not right. Don't you agree? Yeah, especially being the DA that buried it, too, for him to be coming after me like that. And again, I've tried to ignore him all the time, and I've tried to ignore everyone else. But um, that time, it got it finally got under my skin, mainly because it started with someone who was calling me a liar. And so I just fired back. And it was a guy who, you know, on his Twitter was saying he was a retired military. And I was like, well, you know, you have no honor or integrity whatsoever. Tell me right here, right now, you know, cite. Give me a citation of a lie I've done. And uh, unfortunately, the guy had like 30,000 Twitter followers. So, of course, it yes. escalated. <laughs> I don't know what to do about Twitter. You're still on there. I am. Elon Musk is a bad guy. Allison Gell Muller, she wrote, said, don't surrender the battle space. You're a military guy. I guess that's what I'm doing. I wish there was a good alternative. I've tried threads and Facebook. You can't engage like Twitter, but should we give up that battle space, Lieutenant Colonel? No, I, again, I've, you know, I'm on there. I've never was on there until I became a candidate. Um, I didn't even know any, a lot of the social media stuff at all. But again, that's where a lot of people are getting their information. So if you're not throwing... Yeah, like that you're a Confederate soldier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, mean, that's the kind of disinformation that just... I mean, it's beneath George Brockler. I, I wish he hadn't done it to my client, but he did. And we get to respond. And I think that's your point about the First Amendment. It's a battle place of ideas. And we know what truly happened in that intersection. And it's just disturbing to me that a guy who got violent and sucker punched you is now the head of the Douglas County Republican Party, and George Brockler has him on the show, and everybody can hear how that little love fest went, talking about the illegitimate war in Ukraine. Well, I mean, you can see it even on the national level with that GOP senator who wanted to get in a fight with the witness, and then... Mark Wayne, yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, the same day they had uh, the fight where they had a GOP congressperson that um, McCarthy... You know, elbowed in the kidneys yeah, and kidney know, punch. Like, yeah, it's like you know the as a lot of people have pointed out, the acceptance of violence as a legitimate political tool is classic fascism. I and mean, it's about to happen. And then when these talk show hosts like Brockford, well, I don't understand anti-Semitism. Where is it coming from? Please call and tell us. Well, how about when Donald Trump calls people vermin, echoing? Adolf Hitler, do you think that's a clue? Oh, you would rather talk about Bob Marshall contending he's a Confederate soldier. Good one. A guy who served in the U.S. Marines. In how many war zones? Where did you serve overseas? Well, Al-Ambar, Iraq, and then uh, Helmand Province, Afghanistan. God bless you, Bob Marshall. Thanks for your third appearance. It was a doozy. Good luck with this special session. And part of it is my dogs just love you. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to take a lot of coffee down there for this special session. You got it. Keep them in line. Thanks, Bob Marshall. And let us know when you declare for Douglas County DA. Okay, maybe a while, but we'll see. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Bye-bye. He's the best lawyer I know because he's my lawyer. He's Michael Bailey. I think you pioneered this mobile estate planning, and lots of lawyers are doing it now. And boy, are your clients happy and satisfied. 
It's convenient for the client. It certainly is fun to be able to go visit people where they are, whether it's at your house or at one of the offices, just to make it more convenient for you. And then it's more fun for me because I get to go out and about and meet people all over the place and help them out. What's the website, Michael? It is mobileestateplanning.com. What's the best phone number to call? 720-394-6887 is my direct line. Michael Bailey, that's our lawyer. Trish loves him. I do too. Thanks, Michael. You're welcome, Craig. Hey, everybody, for all of your legal needs, why not start with me? 734-7156-303-734-7156. I've been practicing law in Colorado for over 42 years, and I know a lot of people. And if I can't do right by you, I can steer you in the right direction. My number, 303-734-7156. Ask for Craig, Craig Silverman, a voice for victims, a voice for people with legal difficulties. Troubadour Dave Gunders, how the heck are you? I'm good, Craig. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Thanks for the scotch. You're welcome. Been a heck of a week. Did I tell you that the judges ruled in Denver, Anderson v. Griswold? You know, I heard the trial. I heard the the speculation and everything. Tell me what I was went the... to that trial. That's I was gr- there. That is great. I want to hear part about of that. Tell Judge me, Judge Sarah Wallace. But cut to the chase. She found that he committed an insurrection. That he hated it and shouldn't be on the ballot. She said he's still going to be on the ballot. Do you know why? No. Because. He's not covered under that Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which talks about officers who take the oath. And That's it, crazy. Isn't it? But was the, was the evidence compelling? Did yes. Compel the she judge? found that it, it covers congressmen, senators, military officers, I think, anybody who has to take a constitutional oath, but not him because the presidency isn't specifically mentioned, which is kind of ridiculous, because that would be the number one office you would want to bar an insurrectionist from. Mm. Sometimes the law is an ass. In fact, back in capital punishment litigation days, I had a case where three people got killed, club temptation, nightclub here in Denver, and you go to the statute, and you realize that uh, mass murder is not an aggravating factor. You would think that would be the first thing that you would write down, that if somebody kills more than one person, that should make you eligible for the death penalty, but it was just a gap in the law. Yeah. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? Right. So the ruling today was like a tech, it was like on a tech. It's like, yeah, you are an insurrectionist, but you're running for the one office, not specifically prohibited. Right. It was an interpretation that- Yes. Um, See, my dog's chewing on a bone trying well, to figure that out in the background. But give me a bone. I'll try to figure it out. But that's anyway, why your song is so perfect. I seem to remember some discussion about that, 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 yes. that, the, that the case might turn on something yes. like that, right? A yeah, technicality. Yes. Half the professors went one way, half yeah. the other way. Right. 
but it could be appealed. Colorado Supreme Court could say, no, that doesn't make any sense. Of course, that office is covered, but then you got a whole Mishigas, which is a Yiddish word for complication. Do you think his team felt like there was that they had a victory or a defeat? Donald Trump's team? No. I do know Donald Trump's lawyers, Scott no, no, Gasler. No, I mean, of, he is in my no, office. I'm talking about the Republicans that 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 were doing the. the you mean Mario Nicholas, yeah. one of my guests? Yes, I did uh, text him for a reaction. Did not get one right away, but and, I think it's good because they had a full trial, and I mean, it's just without question he committed an insurrection. In fact, I have George Brockler on from episode sixty three. And he said it was an insurrection back then. But now he's critical of Judge Wallace. He accused her of not being able to rule correctly because she gave a contribution. So she kind of split the baby, but really it helps Donald Trump. But in a way, if she threw him off the ballot, then he would whine about that. Right. So right. you know what they have to do? They got to let it go, mama. <laughs> there you go. That's the name of your song this week. It's off your new album, which... That's the best title you have, even better than Troubadour. Which Connected. Is, oh. That's Glad a you good like title. It. Yeah, because that's what life's all about. Well, it right. is. It's a big part of what life's about. Yeah, yeah. it's making connections. But right. let it go, Mom, as you're instructing me, and you are older, and I take advice from you. What's this song about? Let, let it, it go, go, Mister. Well, let it go, Mama. Let it go, Mister. It's, uh, you know. It, it, it's it's about letting letting go of all of all of the uh, the stress that the, that the world can bring down upon your head that you have to move forward right right I also take it that uh, you gotta let your bigotries go or yes. even your hate what if it's deserved hate right let it go let it go or anger anger let it go anger it's a, it's an angry time people are so I know. they're so quick I know to to, but to if judge everybody and, let it go then they get away with it. Well, I'm not sure that's something, you know, you have to decide what to let go. To let go of the overall, you know, anger and, um, I don't know, malaise, I guess. That's well, it's not a malaise. I feel a little energized. I always wonder what it would be like with World War II. Did you hear what Trump said on Veterans Day about vermin and about it's an extension of his poisoning our blood? Everybody's comparing him to Hitler now. The vermin being immigrants? No, I think that's what Hitler called Jews. I took it personally. He said it's people within. It's anybody who disagrees with him. He's promising retribution. How much more explicit can he be? So Trump used vermin? The yes. Word? Yeah. Yes. Well, it doesn't surprise me, although I think- So I'm... should I just let it go? Let it go, Mama. Come on. I don't think we can. Should Israel just let it go? What Hamas no, did? No, 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 no. The song's not about letting go of important things. You have to come to to face to face with important things and deal with them. But let it go is letting go of one's prejudices. Yes, one's prejudices, one's anger about what other people are doing or 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 have done. You know. And I think that's good advice. I'm not putting it, it's it down. Har it's harmful to people. Even though to, you're drinking pretty good now, it's yeah, okay. It, but I, you wrote the song while you were sober. And I think it's good advice because possible. this show, I've gone after George Brockler because he took on my client out of nowhere with this information. And I was going to let things go in hopes of being or having solidarity over Israel. 
okay? We don't have time to fight about other things. But if you're going to attack my client and capitulate to megatypes, I'm not just going to let it go, despite great advice from my troubadour. Fair enough. But I think one thing I'm going to let go, there's the four-year anniversary of a big event. You used to walk with me and talk with me. As I got suddenly terminated at Kanye West, that was four years ago right now. Wow. And I, I, played, I remember the day. Yes. And then that Sunday, they had a big press conference, which was all about me. I've never really had a press conference where everybody lined up on a Sunday night, national news. And right. I wondered what they were going to say. I'm playing it at the very end of this podcast. And it was really kind of complimentary. They wanted me back and how much preparation I put into my shows. And this could be my longest show ever, which I know you don't love. But <laughs> I'm making a record so I can let it go, Mama. All right. Does that sound like good advice? I think that's good advice. From Make the record and then let it go. Let it go, mister. Yeah. Everybody enjoy it. That's a great song, and your daughters are singing in the background, right? Yes, Rachel is. Sarah didn't make this one. Okay, it's yeah. Rachel Gunder yeah. singing with her papa, Dave Gunders on Let It Go Mama on his Connected album. Check him out, davegunders.com. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Craig. Shalom. Well, I stand in line in front of you, notice that you're stewing. in line, it might save a little time, but would it make you smile? Now I know you got your struggle, they're weighing in double on your furrowed brow. And I think it's such a shame, when you try to lay the blame, it turns you inside out.
Michael, of course, is a great sponsor of my show, but more than that, he's my lawyer, my end-of-life planning lawyer, and I've got two dogs. What about you? I have two dogs right now as well. And not only do you love your dogs at home with your kids and your wife, but you get involved with dog issues in your law practice. Tell everybody about that. So I will write pet trusts, which is you can earmark money to take care of your pets. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, they've got their dogs and you know, they love their dogs. But then if somebody were to, you know, if, you're, if you were to pass away, you know, who's going to take your dogs? Who would, who would love your dogs as much as you do? I don't know that anybody would love your dogs as much as you do. But like I grew up with dogs. And so if I were to pass away, then my parents or my siblings could take the dogs. So when you set up a pet trust, you can dictate who's going to get those dogs and then who you can leave money to take care of the dogs as well. I like working with you and I think you are ahead of your time. You have 15 different locations. How cool is that? It's, it is nice to be able to go to all the different locations and you know meet people where it's comfortable and more convenient for them. And nobody wants to drive from one part of Metro Denver to the other to meet with a lawyer. You will come to them. Yep. And I'll deal with traffic so you don't have to. Tell us how people can get in touch with you. My direct phone number is 720-394-6887. Or they can go to my website, which is mobileestateplanning.com. And again, that's mobileestateplanning.com. And there's even a schedule, you know, there's a book an appointment link on this on the website. All right, Michael Bailey. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. You've been hurt. Maybe, God forbid, someone's been killed. You don't know what to do. If it happened in Colorado, please get a hold of me. Check out my website, craigscoloradolaw.com. Craigscoloradolaw.com because I have four decades of experience. Sadly, I've helped a lot of people who have been hurt terribly through no fault of their own. 303-734-7156. Please call Craig. Craig Silverman, a voice for victims. 303-734-7156. Wow, what a show, but it's not over. I want to talk to you about Donald Trump and what he said on Veterans Day about vermin and the threat from within. I've ripped George Brockler and any weekday host who failed to mention that dangerous imitation of Mussolini and Hitler at their worst. It's exterminationist language, and I don't want to be the guy who doesn't play the sound for my audience. We are making a record. Those who talked about it, those who didn't. I thought there was an excellent report on CNN by Kristen Holmes. You'll hear from commentators on Jake Tapper's show as well, Jonah Goldberg, Nayara Hack, HAQ. I especially liked her comment at the end about how they try to make a caricature out of Joe Biden. After that, I'm going to play you sound of Barbara Streisand telling Stephen Colbert that she's going to leave America if Trump is reelected. And that was used on Fox News as a lapping point. And it's sad. I'm going to play that right after I give you this sound from CNN of why 
Jews and others feel under such threat. Former President Donald Trump ramping up his inflammatory rhetoric. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Denigrating his political opponents on the left as, quote, vermin during a Veterans Day speech in New Hampshire. We will root out the communists, Marxist, fascist, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. The White House condemning Trump's remarks, likening them to language used by authoritarian leaders. Quote, using terms like that about dissent would be unrecognizable to our founders, but horrifyingly recognizable to American veterans who put on their country's uniform in the 1940s. White House spokesperson Andrew Bates said in a statement, As the former president commands the GOP primary with his combative rhetoric, his allies are already planning an agenda for a potential second term. The proposals include leveraging the Department of Justice to go after his political rivals. If they do this, and they've already done it, but if they want to follow through on this, uh, yeah, it could certainly happen in reverse. The 2025 agenda would also expand the hardline immigration policies Trump pursued during his first term in office. We will begin the largest domestic deportation operation in American history. With the mass detention and deportation of undocumented immigrants. I will shut down this travesty, terminate all work permits for legal aliens, and demand that Congress send me a bill outlawing all welfare payments to illegal migrants of any kind. It's part of an escalation in anti-immigrant language by the former president. It's poisoning the blood of our country. Uh, it's so bad. And people are coming in with disease. People are coming in with with every possible thing that you can have. Trump's darkening political rhetoric appears to resonate with Republicans, as South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, who campaigned on a more optimistic message, ended his presidential bid Sunday. I think the voters uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me uh, not now, Tim. And Jake, the Trump 2025 potential agenda that we've laid out here really is just the tip of the iceberg. We have heard from sources who say that Trump allies are building a database of loyalists, people who would want to serve Donald Trump and follow through with these policies on day one, as well as allies working with attorneys who are crafting executive orders that the former president could sign on day one to put out those policies. All right, Kristen Holmes, thanks so much. I want to bring in Democratic strategist uh, Nayara Huck and CNN political commentator uh, Jonah Goldberg. Uh, Jonah, um, let me start with you and let me start with this word vermin, uh, which is quite uh, evocative. Um, Here's how RNC chair uh, Ronna McDaniel responded uh, to Trump's remarks when asked about it. I'm not going to talk about candidates that are in a contested primary. You can talk to him about what he's saying. You can talk to him about what he's saying. Former uh, Congresswoman Liz Cheney slammed McDaniel on Twitter for not commenting, saying she, quote, refuses to condemn the GOP's leading candidate for using the same Nazi propaganda that mobilized 1930s, 40s Germany to evil. It's fair to assume she's collaborating. Um, What is the RNC chair's uh, responsibility here when Trump uses, I mean, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that. I mean, that is Mussolini, Hitler-like language. Yeah, I mean, well, the first thing she could do is is release the text of the speech in the original German, which would be helpful. <laughs> um, look, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel about the piling on of uh, McDaniel the way I felt about Vivek Ramaswamy attacking her in a debate. 
she's a symptom of a much larger problem. The party is not a thing. It's, a, it's this paper tiger. She is appointed by Trump. She's a creature of Trump. Um, in, a, in a perfect world, or in a perfect world, in a better world, both parties would have a much more robust ability to screen candidates, to say, look, there are some things that are beyond the pale. You can't run under our label. But those days are behind us. Yeah. And now you're a, uh, your guy, Joe Biden, could lose to this guy. Isn't that horrifying, right, that the idea that somebody who has stood up for American values and talks about democracy on the world stage somehow in the caricatures that have gone online and that have been part of the public discourse, um, he's not. He's neck and neck. So it doesn't matter what you've accomplished in your life, how much money you have, how much success, how much fame. Just ask Barbara Streisand. She's just another Jew who feels like there are people in America turning their back on us. And throughout the world, where are we going to go? That was the question asked by Stephen Colbert, and it's sad. I hate to hear a little laugh track or studio audience reaction from that show out of place. But then the next night played on Hannity. I'm not even going to play that. But they were mocking her, comedians saying, ha-ha. Really? I'm thinking of Filler on the Roof, people leaving Anna Tepkin, the Russians saying, good. Leave. When the Jews leave, it's much better for everybody. Get out of here, Barbara Streisand. Take all your people with you. That's the way it feels right now. How do you feel about the specter of a second Trump administration? I will move. I can't live in this country if that's if he became president. But where would you go? Where would you go? If Probably you're not to England. Mm-hmm. I like England. What about the rise of anti-Semitism and fascism, not only around the world, where it's never been eradicated, but to see it rise in the United States? What it's is so that? sad. It's sad about what's going on today, meaning people have to live together, even though they're different religions or whatever. People are people. It's true. You know, we all want the same thing. We all want love in our hearts. We all want family. We all want to feel um, secure. I hope for the best because this is heartbreaking, what's happening now with these people, the children, the mothers. It doesn't matter what religion they are. Do you know what I mean? This Mm -hmm. is beyond religion. This is... uh, insanity for us not to learn how to live together in peace. You see, this is what's hard to talk about my career or even my book when this deadly, combustible thing is happening in the world. It is hard hard to have proper perspective on the things that were important to you at one time when you see something that is eternally important happening. I could easily cry about this. You know, where is God in this time? Where, where is he or she? Why can't that energy stop this madness? And it sure doesn't help to have people who are white Christian nationalists led by a guy like Speaker Mike Johnson issuing prayers in public that seem to leave me out and a lot of America who are not part of the faithful. 
and listen to this public prayer he gives on something called the World Prayer Network. I went online, and you can give money, and that's what they expect. But he prays specifically for the faithful. And that's the way they want to separate us. Who really believes in Jesus? Who doesn't? If you don't, you better, or you're going to get what's coming to you. Especially you gay people. We need a calling of the nation back at this point. Congressman, yes. lead in prayer. We're going to let you, let you go. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just turn to you and we come to the end of our own knowledge and experience and expertise and wisdom and you delight in that when we acknowledge it to you. We cannot proceed one more step as a nation, individually or collectively, without your divine hand of providence, your intervention, your 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 movement on the hearts of decision makers who have been called and, and placed here and, and for your people out in the land. And so we we cry out to you, God. We do humble ourselves and pray. We repent for our sins individually and collectively. And we ask that you not give up on our nation, not give us the judgment that we clearly deserve, but that your mercy and grace would guide us through these terrible troubled waters and that you would heal our land. And you draw people to account, you draw them to recognition that we use this these disastrous, calamitous times um, to, to, to get the attention of the people, that you do that and that it's for your glory. And I pray specifically for the faithful here who called here to serve, for those on this call tonight and all those who are leading out in the field and their various spheres of influence, if you would draw your people close to you, God, so that we would, so that we could hear your voice, so we could hear your voice clearly and that you would guide us as you, you desire to do. And we know that, uh, we do not know that you want to work in our presence, God. So here are your remnants. And um, don't give up on our land. And we're grateful for that. Your mercy and grace that's guided us these 247 years. We pray for more so long as you tarry before your return. Trust in and believe it. We're confident in that, God. We give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. But Mike Johnson is a Republican, so he's supported all the way by my former friends, Capless and Brockler, who cannot see the danger, and they capitulate to MAGA and maybe even will work for him. I talked back on episode 63 with George Brockler. I encourage you to listen to that entire episode. I talked to him about bringing Joe Altman into KNUS, etc. I talked about his ambition and whether he was... Uh, going to run for governor or senator. And he gave a political answer. And it's interesting to hear him say that as long ago as 2015, he was heavily recruited to run against Michael Bennett. Well, hear for yourself, as I interviewed George Brockler a couple of years ago on episode 63. Everybody wonders if you're going to run for governor or senator, are you? Um, I don't think I'm going to do that this cycle. Um, you know, 2022, I expect to be a pretty good rebound year for Republicans nationwide and, and in the state of Colorado. Some of what, you know, you have to consider at, at my place is one, what will the household sustain? And that's been an issue before. I mean, I don't know if you remember Craig, but back in 2015, I was heavily recruited to run against Michael Bennett and I'd gotten real close to making the decision to do that. But 
you know, my kids were then five years younger than they are now. And I just thought, I can't, I can't do this. I and mean, it's tough enough to be a good father when you're home all the time. It's just harder when you're not. And I even felt that during the race for attorney general, uh, there was a, a forum I had with Phil. It was in Denver, well attended. Sean Boyd did the, uh, the moderating of it. And one of the questions was, um, what's your takeaway from the campaign or how has the campaign been? And of course, Phil was like, Oh, it's one of the most rewarding things in, in my life and getting to meet Colorado, all that stuff you might you know, uh, be suspicious of and think maybe that's political. Maybe that's legit. I don't know. I was so burned out at that point, just the length of the day. I remember saying it sucks. It really sucks. I said, I know I'm supposed to stand here and say, it's just so great to travel across the state and get to see the state meet people. And there's aspects of that that are true. I said, but right now, as I stand here and talk to you, I am missing my son's baseball playoff game. And I can't tell you how much that eats away at me. I mean, because the politics matter, this job I want to do, I'll do a great job for Colorado. But you want to know where my mind is? My mind is, what's my boy doing on the diamond? I said, and that's what makes this thing so, so damn tough. So (laughs) I, I feel that. I feel that now, too. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think about you in a lot of contexts. Once I was moderating a debate, an early Republican primary debate, and you were a leading candidate for governor. So if you want to stay home, you could be a governor. And uh, that's one of the positions that I talked about. And I'm not going to press you too hard because the other ways I think about you, we did a ton of radio together. You would fill in when Dan was gone, and I loved it. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Did you love it? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I did. It was great. A lot of fun. I think so, too. And then I remember the Boulder debate, the presidential primary. Donald Trump was there. You were there working for Channel 7. That's right. I was working for the radio station. You got that picture of me. You got that great picture of me, Craig, did, of me standing, talking to different media outlets, but me, right to my left, was Donald Trump, and left and left of him, I think, was Ben Carson. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just a great picture. Now, I got serious with George Brockler because we were not far away from January 6th, and back then there was a consensus. These dirtbags who injured 140 cops were deserving of prison time. But now we know that MAGA has intruded, and these guys are celebrated by Donald Trump. But listen now, George Brockler was with me all the way back a couple of years ago, even labeling them insurrectionists before they had a trial, demanding accountability. Let's talk about January 6th. Uh, that shook me, shook me bad. What about you? Oh, man. Craig, I, uh, and I wrote a column on this too. Uh, I don't have any problems at all labeling them insurrectionists and in what they did, because that's exactly what it was. I don't know how so many people got leave from their senses to make the decision to storm a place um, that represents our democracy out of Washington, D.C. And, and, and it bothers me how many apologists there are for it. Now, listen, I do think that the media did not do a good job of saying, look, there's 8 trillion people who showed up for a rally that didn't do anything wrong, that didn't participate. This was a a small group of people. But that small group of people, they were wrong. They were 100% wrong in what they did. And our inability to condemn it, in fact, our willingness for, for some to even try to apologize for it, 
I find that very, very difficult. And, and maybe that's the prosecutor in me. And as you described it is there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. There are things that are lawful and there are things that are unlawful. And when we start to try to grade those areas out, we do it to our overall detriment. I just, I, I cannot be an apologist for what took place on the 6th in the Capitol because I think it was flat wrong. And in the column I wrote, I said, these people need to be vigorously prosecuted and those po- prosecutions need to be super public so that people understand we will not tolerate this, just won't tolerate it. Don't care what your political background is or who your presidential candidate is. It is wrong. You'll be, a, you'll be held accountable when you do it. I already had substantial problems with George Brockler, but I confronted him directly. I told him that I think QAnon was full of anti-Semitism and that I worried the Republican Party in Colorado was going away. The best Republicans I knew were Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, principled, decent people. I thought for sure Brockler is smart enough to see the corruption, a crime fighter. Why would he stick with the Lauren Boebert types? It didn't make sense. And I confronted him on that, as you can hear. You've seen it with Heidi Ganahl, who I have such a great deal of respect for, running for governor. You see that Nine News interview that Marshall did with her, and I like Marshall too. Marshall's questions were, and this is a little ridiculous, why did you delete some of your Twitter feed? And two, do you think the election was stolen? Every candidate for statewide office, maybe national office, is going to be asked that by the media. That's what that issue has done for the Republican Party, is to be an utter distraction from the real issues of leadership and public safety and education. And now it's distilled back to looking in the rearview mirror and trying to justify something that there just isn't evidence for. Right. But here's the thing. To me, that is the real issue. Because Donald Trump is perpetuating it. He says that the prosecution of the January 6th insurgents is a persecution and he supports you know the people who are rallying on behalf of them ashley babbitt and q which is an anti-semitic cult is encouraged by donald trump who praises ashley babbitt and i agree with you it's poisonous one of the biggest encounters i remember with you and there are so many is you sitting in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge in person at 710 KNUS on the Saturday before the election for attorney general. And you had waged the good fight, but you were being dragged down like an anchor by Donald Trump, who is not popular in Colorado. And last week when I had Mario Nicholas on, we spent 10 minutes talking about what you could do. Of course, we're not you. But ultimately, I think that Liz Cheney's position needs to prevail Or the GOP is toast, and maybe America is toast too. And you're so smart, and you can put it together. You can see the corruption. You can see the bad actions. And there will be somebody after this cycle emerges of crazy Trumpism. And who's going to be the leaders then? I don't know, but you've got a lot of leadership abilities and you brought up 1776 and kind of those ridiculous uh, patriotism claims by those insurgents. Lauren Boebert, the other part of the top three, as I label it, she tweeted out in 1776 on that morning. You're a prosecutor. What did she mean by that? I don't I don't 
think that she was trying to stir the pot in the way that it ultimately boiled over. I do think that, I mean, it's interesting. I, I've gotten to know Lauren a little bit. I've seen her speak at a bunch of things, and I think she's coming into her own. But she really just says what she thinks, and I really do think it comes from a place of um, patriotism. And I think what she was trying to do was to egg on what I believe or inspire what I think she thought was going to be a tremendous rally and this great argument. I don't think in her wildest dreams, I don't think she thought the Capitol would be overrun. And if, that, if I'm wrong on that, man, I'll be, I'll be disappointed. It's fascinating that Jen Ellis is back in the news. If you study those shows, and I don't listen all the time, but you can see the show notes and on Spotify, you can listen at three times speed. But I don't think Dan Kaplitz has talked about Jenna Ellis again ever since she got disciplined by the Colorado Bar and his show got mentioned. Dan Kaplitz sponsors George Brockler, who won't talk about her either. But it's a big story, and I talk about her all the time, and I talked about Jenna with George, and also brought up his pal Joe Altman, because I come at people in a straightforward way. And I told him this is dangerous for our democracy, and he seemed to agree back then. The New York Times broke the story that the White House had already concluded that Dominion didn't do anything wrong. And they knew it, yet they sent out Rudy Giuliani and Jen Ellis, et cetera, to uh, put forth that ridiculous theory. Sidney Powell, too. In any event, yeah, what you, did they base that on? Say, they you, got you, the pleading from Coomer v. Dominion, and it talks about Joe Altman. You know, he, he just yeah. failed to appear at his first deposition. And then at the I second not, one— I did not know that. There's about a 50-page brief that the New York Times hyperlinks. It's out of Denver District Court. I got to love that. I mean, I think the big lie was born in Colorado, and I think it was born by your guy, Joe Altman, who made up an Antifa call, and then he got Randy Corcoran. You know, the same day he announced it uh, on his conservative daily podcast, he was a guest at Randy Corcoran's tea party that night. And Corcoran said he brought exhibits about the hate mail that uh, Joe Altman, or he was known as Joe Otto back then. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's something to line him up as a guest the day, same day he announces. And then on November 14th, Saturday morning slot, I used to occupy, he has on Joe Altman for hours just talking about this Antifa call, and I know George Brockler, great prosecutor, trial attorney you are, you'd say, wait, let's back up a little. How do you intercept an Antifa call? Because I just don't know how you do that stuff. And maybe he's uh, yeah. your friend and it just goes without saying. But for me, he, he, he brought that up. And like I say, it got magnified by Newsmax and Michelle Malkin out of Colorado Springs. And I just think you should dissociate yourself from this. And he's, he's part of that FEC United. And I know you're in a tough spot. I, and I appreciate you being here. But uh, I, I think the right side is the Adam Kinzinger, Liz Cheney side. Can we agree that this attack on elections is dangerous for democracy? I, I do think it's dangerous for our democracy. So now let me tell you what you are going to hear next. You are going to hear that 
Steve Peck got a platform from George Brockler for an entire hour. Who does that? Well, if you want to win the nomination to be DA, the Republican nominee without opposition, grease the skids, you do stuff like that. And then you don't confront anything the guy says, even if he calls the Ukraine war illegitimate. Even if he turns you on to a group associated with the Proud Boys, yeah, that's Moms for Liberty. Even if he keeps talking about Rand Paul, Ron Paul type stuff, there isn't going to be a hard question. And Brockler knew about that assault on my client that resulted in a $25,000 payment. I mean, that's a victory for Bob Marshall, who got sucker punched and wasn't just going to take it. And then Steve Peck not asked a word about his sucker punching of Bob Marshall. Why not hear from all sides? I put it on my podcast. George Brockler could have Steve Peck on if there's a different version. But we resolved this in Bob Marshall's favor a long time ago. So come on, man. Anyway, at the very end of this podcast, and I know it goes on for hours, maybe it's the best part. After you listen to 41 minutes of a tongue bathing, of Steve Peck by George Brockler. I'm going to give you something that's funny in retrospect, and it kind of was a great break for me. It's the press conference where Brian Taylor, who just left KNUS, after really ruining what was a great medium, you know, talk radio can be a wonderful community outlet, but not the way these guys do it. Brian Taylor, he was like the captain of the Titanic and it's sinking. Except George Brockler is driving the boat and we know he's going to jump off pretty soon. Tubbs is gone. Tubbs was at that press conference. Listen to his voice at the start, introducing Brian Taylor. And then at the end, the delightful thing, and there's going to be in my show notes a link to the video. And you can see Peter Boyle standing there with Jimmy Sangenberger. And there's Randy Corcoran standing and whispering with Kirk Whitland, the two guys who conspired against me. Kirk Whitland, who went ahead and up getting fired when it was discovered long after I left that he was a neo-Nazi posting on a Russian social media site, shit that he couldn't get away with in America, at least until Elon Musk came along. Elon Musk, the big Jew hater, and Brockler's got nothing to say about that, too. Because Jew hating, that's just something you got to do if you want to be the Republican nominee to be DA in Douglas County, the most conservative jurisdiction in the world. Just the other day, I didn't even pluck this, but George was talking to Jeff Hunt about how Elbert County is the greatest American county, real Americans. Why? Because they vote for Donald Trump overwhelmingly? Come on, George Brockler. I thought you were better than that. But no, you just want that vote. You just want that power. And after you get the Douglas County DA, what else are you going to want? And what other capitulations will you make in your quest for power? Damn it. I knew Cory Gardner. He could have stood up too, but he didn't. I don't think it will end well. For anybody, not George Brockler, but I'm worried about America. It's not about these guys. 
And the problem is whatever good these guys have done for America, they're doing bad now by not calling out this Hitler-like behavior by Musk and Trump. And the Republican Party puts up with it. And that's not good. But at the end of the press conference, there's Chuck Bonniewell who comes on to say that he debated me a hundred times, a hundred times. I debated him a fair amount, but he said he loved talking about the impeachment, but then a few months later he got fired because he said rather than talk about the boring impeachment hearing, he was hoping for a school shooting. So I kind of rest my case. Sad, but true. That's what happened to him. And then Kirk Woodland, who takes it personal that uh, you're done, is attributed to him. It was really Kelly Michaels, as I said, in the countless articles in New York Times, Washington Post. It was everywhere. Daily Mail had a great story. But Kirk Woodland thinks he's falsely accused, and he starts blubbering at the end of this, and it's just terrible. And at the end of Tubbs' last show, Kirk Woodland calls in right after Dan Kaplis. And Kirk Woodland had been a producer for Dan Kaplis. And it just was kind of perfect because they won't acknowledge, they won't talk about what happened with Kirk Woodland or how they had contacts with the Proud Boys back in the day. Can you us, I mean? They don't talk about these things. They sweep them under the rug. But I don't hear on this podcast. And thank God for a free press. Thank God for freedoms in America. If Trump gets reelected, he's promised retribution. And I'm sure the podcast like mine will be fewer and far farther between. And there will be more orthodoxy and capitulation, like George Brockler has engaged in. But maybe that's how he truly feels. Maybe he's really down with all this totalitarian stuff. That's sad, especially in a prosecutor. I'm going to let it go, Mama, like Dave Gunder said, but I had a good say today, didn't I? Welcome to hour number two of four. It is George Brockler on the George Show 710 KNUS. Great to be back, still figuring out what happened in that last hour that we just couldn't seem to manage time. That's all my fault, by the way. Um, happy to be joined in this hour by a special guest out of my county, Douglas County, the best county. It's no offense to other counties. You're just the second best at best counties that are out there. It's Steve Peck. Sir, thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, George. Totally agree. We get a lot of heat from being from Douglas County because they hate us. They ain't us. That's that's exactly right. Steve, first off, tell folks what position you hold right now, and then we'll get into a little bit of your background. Yeah, sure. So I'm currently the Douglas County Republican chair. And uh, what that means is the, the Republican Party, as it's uh, organized um, from the RNC down to the 50 states, you've got uh, state uh, party chairs. Uh, and then uh, each of the 64 counties have a, a local county chair. So I'm the county chair for Douglas County. Now, we'll get to this question. I just want to plant the seeds for you now. What is wrong in your life that you signed up for that job, given <laughs> given everything that's going on? We'll get to that in a minute. But first, maybe the answer will be in your background. Tell folks, where'd you grow up? Where'd you come from? I know you have military service. I want to hear about those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I uh, I grew up and went to high school and college out in Michigan. 
um, and uh, went to grad school out in California in Loma Linda and uh, got married out there. Um, my wife and I joined the, the Navy right after graduate school, so she's a physical therapist. I was a, a healthcare administrator, and uh, that was back in 2008. So we, we shipped off, went to Florida to work at the, the Naval Hospital, and then um, I deployed with the, the 26th Marine Expeditionary Unit in 2013, came back and wanted to live in Colorado for a variety of reasons, but there was also a job here um, that I, I accepted and, and immediately jumped into local politics. So I uh, figured out what a PCP was and what a district captain was and um, found out what the school board was, was working on and not working on. Where did you go with the MU when you guys deployed? We, we went through Gibraltar, Suez, Gulf of Aden, um, that was the summer of the, the red line, if you recall, and uh, Hosni Mubarak, Mohammed Morsi, that, the Arab Spring. Um, so we were all over that, that uh, region, from, from Egypt all the way over to, to, uh, to Qatar, UAE, and Kuwait. So doing a variety of, of real-world uh, missions and then some that uh, were, were planned ahead of time. Well, that's great, man. Thank you for that. Now, listen, as the chair of the GOP, I've got a million questions, but before I get to those, one, um, what is important about the period of time that we're in right now for you? I mean, there was a reason you reached out and said, listen, I, I got to say some stuff on air here because this is so important. Right. Well, the, the, the first and primary reason is we've got an uh, election and because it's an off year, it's not on a lot of uh, people's radars. Your listeners, I'm sure, are very aware uh, but what what I need help with is sharing the news outside the bubble to to your friends and your friends' friends, and somehow we've got to be able to do that. And we we've got a lot of uh, things working against us. So I I need help, right? You we need help to to share this message. And, and the way I see it is um, Douglas County is is the Texas of Colorado as far as, as politics goes. It's it's imperative that we keep Douglas County as red as it can be. And um, and it's red, unapologetically red, and we want to keep it that way. So the the reason I wanted to talk to you was one, let's you know, what what are the issues on the on the ballot and and talk through and have a discussion around those. The 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 two big things that I'm tracking, maybe there's a third that's related to the the money piece, but school board is huge for me and for Douglas County. And the other piece is HH, which I'm intimately aware of. Um you love HH. Tell us why. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, there's there's no there's no chance you love HH. T- tell me about HH, and then I can. Is it fifty? I keep forgetting the 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 other number of the thing that's going to represent some sort of a, a reduction. I just can't remember if that's going to be on twenty threes or twenty fours ballot. Yeah, I I'm uh, I'm I'm mostly focused on Prop HH. I hope you and your listeners are as well. Oh yeah, and and um, I I think again the challenge is this is uh, it's arcane. Um, it's off year and, and you got to know some of the basics, right? Again, your listeners will know this. The challenge is how do we, how do we get to those neighbors and coworkers that might not know like what the Gallagher amendment was, might not know what Tabor is and might not care about all this stuff. How do we make it as simple and as digestible as possible? And I think Michael Fields and advanced Colorado has done an excellent job. Ben Murray over at the independence Institute have done a really good job of, of, 
distilling down the arguments and on the uh, Douglas County Republican website, which I would encourage everyone to go to, we've got a series of links right there on the front page. So it's dcgop.org. You can go there. We've got links right at the top. You can share those just by texting your network. So all the arguments are there. But basically, Prop HH is an attempt to eliminate your Tabor refund. That's the governor's uh, attempt to, to end those. The, 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 the worst thing about this is not what it actually does, but how they attempt to do it by completely obfuscating and misleading uh, voters in voting for it. At no point does it ever reference giving up your Tabor refunds. It doesn't use any of that language. They go out of their way to avoid it because they know that when, when Coloradans are pulled on Tabor, it's hugely popular and it wins all the time on the ballot. So that part I find a little disgusting. couple things that you referenced there. You referenced a guy named Michael Fields. Uh, Michael Wicked Smart, he is also, as of this weekend, you may not know this, Steve, he is a new daddy for the fifth time. Uh, brand new baby, brand new baby girl. Mercifully, once again, another child that looks more like his wife than him. That which is so fantastic for that child. Uh, but also tonight, big big debate that's going to take place on Nine News regarding HH. Are you tracking that one, Steve? Oh, interesting. I was not tracking that. I I appreciate the heads up. Actually, I'm not a, a regular for Nine News. But, yeah, I, um, I get it. I get it. So it's Colorado uh, politics, Denver Gazette, Nine News hosting the debate. It's seven p.m. Today, go to that Nine News website, and I, I don't know if they're going to put it on TV live or if it's one of those like, hey, we're on Channel 20 or we're live streaming it. I know at a minimum it'll be live streamed, but here's what I know. Nobody beats Michael Fields in a debate except me, but no. nobody else <laughs> to be, <laughs> defeats Michael Fields. So I'm anxious to see how this thing plays out when uh, when he takes it on. So. It will be interesting, and as you said, uh, on Prop HH, they don't reference Tabor because it is popular. I think yep. they call it a surplus. Right. They call it a surplus. Right. That's right. They're playing They're playing word games um, because they have to. And uh, I think maybe this has been called out before, but the, the proposed tax reduction, I'm putting that in air quotes, the proposed uh, property tax reduction is less than one-tenth of one percent. Meanwhile, in exchange for that, that just pathetically small but technically true reduction in uh, taxes, your, your, every Coloradan's paper refund goes away forever. The, the, other, uh, the other offensive piece of this is that the same legislature and governor who helped put this on the ballot now claim like, well, this is the only way we can do it, right? Like, this is the only way we can reduce property taxes, which they ended up getting crushed by nine news on turns out that's not true but uh they could call a special session months ago and get together and say how are we going to handle these surging property values and the new assessments but they've chosen to try to trojan horse the end of Tabor refunds in this thing and nobody if you hit them on social media and steve i know you're super active out there nobody will acknowledge that Tabor refunds go the way of the dodo as a result of this they all try to obfuscate and hide and well it's not it's not the property taxes it's it's uh, it's funny yeah, yeah. Well, Barb Kirkmeyer um, had an article, an op-ed that was written out the Greeley paper, and she called out in that opinion piece that the, the legislative session, the 120 days, they waited until day 113 to tackle this. Hmm, you know, weird. Both in, yeah, right, exactly. As if they had no idea that this was on the horizon. 
they've known this since the end of, of Gallagher, and, and I, I, I just, you know, it's time to educate as many people as possible. This is, this is a, a disaster um, should it pass. So we need to do everything we possibly can to make sure it doesn't pass. When, when, you're, when Republicans and Kyle Clark are on the same sheet of music, oh my God. either... Yeah, I know. I, it's it's uh, look. There's a time and a place for everything, and and apparently it's Prop HH. But I will say this for all the the beating on Kyle that the right does, and in most cases, I get why. Um, dude will call out when it becomes that obvious. Dude will call out the hypocrisy of the other side. I I wish they were as aggressive with them as they would be with us. But at least they're reporting on it, and I, I respect that, and I appreciate that part of it. What's the other stuff on the ballot that you're most focused on? HH is obviously huge. Yeah, I think I think uh, the next biggest thing would be a school board elections across the state. I'm obviously from Douglas County. If you want to touch on what's happening here locally, uh, there there is a story there. But um, uh, Moms for Liberty has a website that they, or excuse me, a, a collection of, of school board candidates. Across the state, it's smartchoicecolorado.com, and every single county is listed out there with uh, suggested uh, a school board candidate names. And and actually, that went out from the Colorado Republican uh, from Dave Williams' desk uh, last night or yesterday. So so that that list is being circulated. But we've got to uh, share the news of of that group as well. And if you know, and of course you do. Moms for Liberty is a reliable organization, uh, a true North Star, and we know this because the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, identified them as some sort of terrorist, uh, domestic <laughs> terrorist group. I think 710 KUS is also a terrorist organization based on the Southern Poverty Law Center's definitions. I'm not sure. Haven't checked the website recently. You have a little bit of knowledge about the school board. Talk about that. Yes, yes. Um, so you earlier you said, well, what's what's wrong with you that you would sign up to um, uh, run for county chair? And for the record, this is an unpaid position. So lots of abuse, lots of time, zero financial upside that my wife asked about. Like, how does this help yeah. the Peck family? Yeah. Uh, well, it might not directly help the Peck family, but it is an important role. So is the school board. So our school board here in Douglas County, we've got seven members of the school board. And at that time, I had the uh, honor and, and privilege of, of serving at the tail end of Doug Benevento's term, which is the end of the... The reform the, era. That was the reform yeah, era. Yeah, the big, bad... Yes. Yeah, so I probably accept the label of reformer where we, you know, emphasize things like financial literacy as a high school graduation requirement, merit pay uh, for teachers, etc. Um, but then the empire strikes back. Right. And yep. the left took over the board until the 2020 insanity uh, uh, descended upon us. And there was no learning, uh, you know, remote learning, mask mandates, lockdowns and, and the insanity that came with that. Right. Well, then all of a sudden Republicans were ascended because people said, well, I don't know who's in charge, but we don't like what we're seeing. So the kids first school board ended up taking four of the seven seats back where we currently enjoy a majority. So this cycle, there are three seats open here in Douglas County. The board majority is not up for stake, but every seat's important. And um, um, so there are, 
there's one endorsed candidate here from Douglas County, but there are three Republicans that are running. If that, I don't know if that makes sense to get into all that, but it, it's a little arcane for our, our county. It is so, is the, um, the best place, it sounds like, Steve, is to go to that Moms for Liberty uh, website. Yes. Do you remember what that is? Yes, it's uh, smartchoicecolorado.com. SmartChoiceColorado.com, and you can, and not just by the way for Douglas County, but they do this thing for a bunch of different school districts. Yeah, SmartChoiceColorado.com. Ask that question one more time. They they have it for more than just Douglas County. They're weighing in on some other races. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So they. uh, Sorry, I was looking at my phone to double check to make sure that's okay. Right, but yeah, that's right. Yes, that's a a collection of uh, school board candidates statewide divided by the county. Let's uh, let's do this lightning round. Uh, Did not tell you I would get into some of these other issues, Steve, so you can demur as necessary. But as the as the uh, party chair for Douglas County, you get to be the face of the Republicans, at least for this. And I love the description that we're the we're the Texas of Colorado, at least in terms of the Republican makeup. I, I love that. I tell Colorado Springs, by the way, when I was the D.A., I used to go down there. I said, we are the buffer that protects you from Denver. And they always love right. that. Like, we're the moat. You know what I mean? Between the That's right. between them. Um, let's talk a couple things. One, CD4. What do you think yes. is going on with CD4? And you should know. I've already had at least one text come in and say, is Steve going to run for CD4? What's going on? Oh, I, I'm actually asking the question, too. What is going on? I think, you know, as I think about Ken Buck, um, you know, he's been great on, on the deficit as a, a primary issue of concern. He voted against the the uh, Ukrainian package, and I don't know where you stand on that, but I think that's an illegitimate war. Um, I think he's done a lot, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of great things over his time. Section 230, he's been reliable on um, that work in, in the tech space. This vote has me really frustrated in asking questions. And I, I will say this. If you're going to be one of the eight, that stands out as a protruding nail, um, a vote really of no confidence toward the speaker. That's one thing. But then to not have a, a plan in the next breath is uh, perplexing at best. So I would like to know, well, if it's not McCarthy and it's not Jordan, what is he has not been clear about what the next uh, what, what the direction is and what criteria he would use to assess somebody. Now, listen, there's nine now candidates, I think, that made the filing deadline yesterday. They're supposed to come up with, I think, tonight, uh, four o'clock our time, six o'clock uh, swamp time. They're going to have their whatever. I don't know if it's their presentation of the candidates or whatever, but nine of them. And then they're supposed to have a vote as early as tomorrow to decide. Now, I'm not asking you as Steve Peck, chair of the party, to weigh in on who, because you're, you would never do that. But as Steve Peck, just Republican dude, have yeah. you had a chance to look at those nine? Do you have someone that you think this is the person that will lead us out of the darkness kind of a thing? I I don't, have not seen the in the most recent list of nine. There, I think, are interesting people. I know um, Jim Jordan was the, the clear choice in my mind just because of uh, I think he's been a steady voice on the corruption in the FBI and the DOJ. I think, uh, you know, being a founding member of the Freedom Caucus, just, you know, you, you see the people that are, are there providing oversight in the House, not just passing bills and, and whatnot, but actually providing the needed oversight in the, the House of Representatives. Jim Jordan is among the best. So to me, he was the clear 
clear uh, choice. Now it looks like a new crop of candidates have, have uh, popped up. And I know, um, I think Congressman Emmer, yep. from Minnesota, is one of the names being floated. Uh, he actually is from my in-laws uh, district, and that is um, Michelle Bachman's old district. Do, do you uh, know I, who I you'd vote for at this point? And, and I want to be candid. I looked at the list last night in preparation for the show. I don't recognize more than half these people. Like Emmer, of course, yeah. everyone knows that. I don't really know these people. Yeah, right, right. No, we we don't know them, and and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say just because I don't know enough about their voting histories. There's a gentleman, and I only remember I think his uh, uh, a guy out of Florida, but but I wouldn't say something on the air just because I don't know. Sure. Um, enough. Oh, of, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Pretty. He, yep, he's picking up some momentum. Young guy, African American guy. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But he's only been in the House for a handful of years. Yeah. I just uh, think he, I don't know that that's, uh, Jim Jordan's the clear choice. Uh, but he's done. And, it sounds like he's gone, I, I McCarthy's know. gone. I we know. just aren't going to have those options. No, no, I know. So I don't I don't have a, a straight answer for you of, of who's the obvious uh, next candidate. Let, let me get you to something closer to home than two other things if I've got the time. And Billy, I may end up going just a teeny bit long. That seems to be the motto for today's Monday return trip uh, to the radio station here. Um, when you look at what's going on internally within our own state party, tell me your thoughts. Yeah. And I because we've had multiple meetings of the Central Committee, by the way, in Douglas County at the Rock, yep. voting on yep. how are we going to even decide to move forward with the choice of our nominees? How are we going to go through that process? Oh. Will state will county officers be allowed to weigh in on people who petition on versus go through the assembly? Where are you with all this? Yeah, yeah, this is a really thorny thing. And and I think, look, I'm, 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 um, I identify as, you know, the Jim Jordan, the, the Rand Paul wing of the party. But but it's important that we not alienate other elements of the party. I mean, there is a math problem that's, that, that we all have to recognize. There's just not enough Republicans. Now, here in Douglas County, we enjoy a nice majority. So there's something like 370,000 people in Douglas County, and uh, 95,000 of them are registered Republicans. Only 50,000 are, are registered Democrats. But there's just not enough Republicans to to draw tighter and tighter ideological circles around ourselves. So while I wish everybody shared my views, they they might not. And so we have to learn to get along with people that don't agree in lockstep. And there is an undervote problem that we face here. So these these are just my opinions about everything, right? Just because somebody is a more moderate Republican doesn't mean that they don't deserve support. It depends upon the race that they're they're running in or the seat that they're going for. You know, if they're going for U.S. Senate in Colorado, you're not going to get uh, a Rand Paul type of Republican. Abe Lincoln could come back from the dead and he would lose as a Republican for U.S. Senate here in the state. So we have to be realistic about who could actually win without necessarily um, – you know, we, we have to avoid some sort of political jihad against ourselves. That's not helpful. And to the extent that I can bring people together, I try to do that. Um, people can either determine, you know, either he, he's being disingenuous or he's not. I, I, I'm trying to be the same person. And whether, George, you and I are talking one-on-one in a coffee shop or we're having a conversation on the air, it's important that we work together, even if we don't agree on everything. Last thing, uh, and that is just the other day, Douglas County commissioners, at least two of the three, 
had put out a message, an official formal message to Denver. I think it went through a vote, but I can't remember now that had said, hey, Denver, don't be shipping your immigrants down here to Douglas County. Have you been following that, Steve? I, I missed that from the commissioners, but I've, I stay in pretty close touch with uh, Sheriff Weekly, and I know that that's a thing. So, uh, for example, um, the police department north of us will will put uh, a homeless on the, the light rail, ship them down uh, south where the train ends in Lone Tree. Hold, hold on, then, hold on. Who's doing that? Who's putting them on the light rail and sending them to us? What what Sheriff Weekly is it, it said is that there are other police departments oh doing that. Oh my goodness! This is in the old days, Steve. You may not know this. The that was the purpose of the plat path down there was homeless would encamp in denver denver cops would push them down into sheridan and englewood and then englewood and sheridan would push them right back up the plat uh this feels like that but worse in in many ways with the light rail thing interesting interesting no i wasn't familiar with that history with the the plat but but um yeah it, it is a problem for the 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 sheriff's office because you know what is what's the the recourse at that point and and I want to commend the, the commissioners uh, here in Douglas County uh, for, for their stance on, on homelessness. You'll see, if you live down here, you know, you'll see signs posted that say, you know, handouts don't help, and they don't. They don't help. The compassionate thing is not to let people just, you know, live under a bridge or at an intersection exposed to the elements and living in, you know, inhumane conditions it's just typical Uh, though of denver and this again is another problem that we've had to deal with at an increasing level and that is denver's super progressive woke decision making on everything from criminal justice to safe injection sites to immigration all that stuff they can make whatever damn decisions they want for them but they know those decisions end up bleeding out into the surrounding counties and in this case we're talking two counties away they got to go through arapaho it's like that old adage that when america sneezes the world catches cold when denver makes a progressive policy decision the rest of the state gets cancer i mean it's just like they they want to now say we're a sanctuary city we invite all comers i remember hearing mayor mike johnson we want to accept all these people but then they don't then they say, why don't you guys go down to Douglas County? Why don't you go to Adams County? Why? It's, a, it's like, hang on, hang on. You want them. You figure out a way to deal with them. Why is this Douglas or Adams or Jeffco or Arapahoe County's problems? That's right. Well, it's not our problem. It's not our problem at all. And and I, I think the mayor probably means well. I'll just assume that he does. But um, I don't think that accommodating homelessness will result in less homelessness. You accommodate homelessness and you will get more homelessness. This is not hard, but it seems to be a theme for West Coast cities. I want him to be successful. One, I like him personally. I, I, I do. I've always liked Mike. I, but I, I want him to be successful because just like I just said, if Denver's thriving and making all the right decisions, it's better for you and me in Douglas County, right? But when they make the wrong absolutely. decisions and they suck, that suck yes. spills over into the rest of the metro area, and we have to deal with it. Yes, absolutely agree. I want to see him be successful. I want I want clean streets like we enjoy down here in Douglas County. I want those in Denver. So people, when they come to Denver, I can tell them, yeah, absolutely. You want to go downtown. There's great restaurants. There's a great music scene. You know, the arts are amazing. I can't 
I can't give that ringing endorsement at this moment, um, but I think there's still hope. Maybe, maybe with with time and courage, we can find a way out. I hope you're right, man. Steve Peck, anytime, man. You just reach out. We'll get you back on to have the conversation. Thanks for having it with us this morning. I want to remind people, though, to find out the information on the school board candidates. Tell them again the website to go to. Yes. Uh, SmartChoiceColorado.com. Let me just verify that one sec here. And just like that, we have just the slightest bit of dead air as Steve confirms the website so we can get the information. (laughs) SmartChoiceColorado.com. SmartChoiceColorado.com. Steve Peck, chair of my county, Douglas County GOP. Good chatting with you, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Thank you, George. Thank you. Hey, listen, when we come back, listen, we're going to change it up a bit. First off, I'm happy to entertain any calls that you have on that. I really do want to have a conversation about the Douglas County two of three commissioners on this idea of sending a message to Denver. Don't you dare try to send these uh, immigrants down to Douglas County. Uh, you, you want them, you keep them. We don't have the facilities for them and all that. I do want to have that conversation. We can start that now. But honestly, I feel like I am still in uh, jet lag mode and I have blown up the six o'clock hour and I wanted to give seven o'clock listeners that opportunity they never get because we just don't do it in the seven o'clock hour a little you choose the news and some more of the catching up on all these things but you can drive the show for the seven o'clock 303-696-1971-303-696-1971 george brockler 710 KNUS. george brockler back with you here 710 KNUS. we're going to do the you choose the news but as always we are uh we're beholden to the callers. It's our favorite part of the show. It's the thing that we do that ain't nobody else do it in Colorado the way we do it in the morning show, and that is to honor them. And so we're going to go right to the phone lines. It has been a bit, if only because I haven't been in the saddle. It's our buddy Joan. Joan, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, um, I was um, traveling across um, the south uh, last week, so I didn't hear any of your substitute people. Same. So, so, <laughs> Ditto. so for me, you're still the top of the standard. Thank you for saying that out loud. Are we on the air, Billy? Because this is the kind of thing that needs to be captured in the podcast. Go on. So, anyway, <laughs> that's the first thing I wanted to say. Then I did come back, and um, it, the letter from Douglas County was being circulated um, because um, it was a pretty strong stand. And I think one of the things that people are beginning to say is we need to stay say how how we feel. We can't just, you know, say, oh, well, it's okay. It'll get better. Nope. You have to stand up and you have to say. And then um, when I was traveling, I, I flew into Jacksonville and I got into an Audi um, convertible and I drove the Audi convertible back to Dallas, um, Texas, because my girlfriend was uh, moving from Jacksonville to Texas. Um, and um, I learned a lot about um, what has happened with America. Um, Biden has brought in 7 million immigrants in the last um, two and a half years. And um, it, it shows. It absolutely shows. You can't do that and not have cities change their culture and city change it was just it was eye-opening to me really was what's the uh 
what's the thing that they should have done differently? Just not have them come at all, a lesser number, or something different in terms of the assimilation? My thought here is, one, I don't want any illegal immigration. If you ask any politician what's the appropriate amount of illegal immigration, the answer ought to be zero. So there's that. I get, I get that, Joe, and that's not our debate. The issue here is I think where we've fallen down is not the number that we let in because, frankly, there are a lot of jobs that we could use some some uh, some jobs to be filled. It's the um, the fact that we have created a society that does not encourage assimilation but instead encourages, um, I don't know, groups to remain homogenous within the country. And and that is, I think, the problem with us is we don't have any more of this melting pot mentality. And I didn't invent this analogy. We have much more of a salad bowl. All the tomatoes clumped together, all the eggs clumped together, that kind of thing. You know, that's interesting because my father's family immigrated into um, Wisconsin and they were German and um, they spoke German. But um, my grandmother was never allowed to learn it. And she was um, sent to school, and, and any time she spoke any kind of German, they were um, not happy with her because they were Americans now, and she needed to fit in. Well, and we um, don't we don't get the benefit by the and by assimilation. I don't mean you reject and lose every aspect of the culture you brought with you. That's not what makes us great either. I mean hamburgers, spaghetti, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just using that as a very low-level culinary example, but many more things than that. It's just we lose the ability to get the benefit of a culture that says, I don't want to be part of you, and I'm going to continue to wave my flag here and there. I I would say this. this is something else that struck me the other day. Um, I'm not a huge fan of seeing all of the the Mexican flags on kids' uh, shirts when we play these baseball tournaments. Colorado... And the Mexican flag, not the American flag, the Mexican flag. And it bums me out. But then I go take a trip out to New York and I complain about not being able to get to the New York library because there's an all day Polish parade up and down the streets where everybody is wearing something. It's not American Poland. It's just straight up red and white, just the Polish stuff. So I'm not sure what the right answer is here, but it seems like we've stopped assimilating and we've just said you can have your own little subculture within the American culture. Yeah, I think I think that Trump was on the on the way to the solution. And I think the thing about the border that disturbs me most is we don't know half these people. We haven't vetted these people. Um, you know, we're sitting here going, there's all this stuff that happened in Israel with Hamas and stuff. And meanwhile, we're sitting here going, who's in who's who's in the country here? Who who's holding, you know, what meetings? And they talk about how Hamas got all organized because they went um, low-tech. Um, they didn't talk to each other on phones. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. They went back to, I don't know, writing messages in um, lemon juice. I, I just don't know what they did. But um, they didn't clue anybody that that's what was going on. And I'm sitting here going, I think maybe some of that technique is being used right now here on us. I I don't want to discourage legal immigration. In fact, I think we need more legal immigration. I want to be choosier, by the way, about who comes. I don't think we're obligated to allow everybody else to just self-select the standard that we set for those things. I don't agree with that either. But I do think we need more legal immigration. And in, in part, and I'm not saying that this is 100% of it, in part, 
our issue is that we have made it so difficult and challenging to get in here legally that it, and we've made it so easy to just slip over the southern border that why wouldn't you choose the southern border? Why wouldn't you just slip over? Otherwise, it, it's this years-long, painful, baton death march of administrative hurdles to get through to become legal. Hell, I can just hire me a coyote, run the risk of all the physical, psychological, and financial damage to get across the border, but then I'm in the land of milk and honey. So there's a, there's a better answer than what we have now, but I don't think the answer is no more immigration. I don't think that's the answer. It's just I want us to be in charge of immigration. I want us to pick who gets to come here, not them pick who gets to come here. Does that make sense? Yes, and I got to tell you, the, the most eye-opening moment was when I got on the plane to come back to Denver from Dallas um, at noon um, Saturday because um, they've added some, they've added plane flights to Denver from Dallas. And I got on the um, plane, and I can tell you that a good half of that plane was not, was, I believe, immigrants um how did how did you know that are they wearing signs or something do they have do you know what i mean are they like kept together they're all i mean how how do you know that here's my concern joan what i don't want to do is eyeball non-white people and say oh you must be immigrants no there was a different feel and and you're going to say this is weird but here it is People get here and they don't have anything. So this is, I know this because I work with social services, okay? So the first thing you get is a backpack or a suitcase. And then the backpacks are brand new, but the suitcases are donated by, you know, ARC and stuff. So um, they have, like, um, hard um, suitcases, which nobody gets anymore. And then their clothes choices are just not, um, I'm not going to say stylish. I'm just going to say they're old and used. And and you know that... <laughs> you know what? Billy just put my ear, Joan. That <laughs> describes me and and the fam. Because we, we showed up with pretty new backpacks, but that's about it. <laughs> and a whole bunch of clothes, Joan, that it may not shock you, boys didn't find any compulsion to clean while they were abroad. Uh, hey, Joan, would you forgive me? Billy's also told me I've once again, I've just lost track of time. I've treated radio like it's my own personal little place to have a conversation, no matter what the um, clock says. Would would you forgive I, me? I can tell you there were women in native costume kind of thing. Interesting. Um, costumes. Huh. It, well, not costumes, but dress. Joan, I, I am so sorry. I got to go. I, I didn't realize I would take I you this long. I love chatting with you. Thank you for the phone call. Keep calling in. I'm sorry we didn't get to more of that, but I promise people you choose the news. I cannot screw this up two hours in a row. And I say that question mark. Can I screw this up two hours in a row? Uh, stick around. We're going to do you choose the news. And we're going to come back in the eight o'clock hour. We're going to tackle some of this Hamas Israel stuff real time with somebody super smart. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS. Maybe just enough time to complete our contractual obligations to you choose the news with our good friend William. Ah, uh, yes, sir. This is kind of weird to be doing this today, but yes, it is time for us to do you choose the news. Everybody's favorite fake radio news game show where we have scoured the interwebs for 
God, it's been like 12 days. You've been gone forever. So we got lots of stupid stories about us humans, giving them ridiculous headlines to play this fake radio news game. Why? Because most of the time the people in charge don't know we're doing it. Kind of afraid they're going to find out today. <sighs> okay, keep it our little secret. All righty, sir. Here are our headlines this morning. Headline number one, taking Halloween decorations too seriously. Headline number two, does he know Liam Neeson is ripping him off? Headline number three, math is hard, Powerball edition. And headline number four, what's Europe's leading tourist attraction? <gasps> Your question, their headlines yet again are taking Halloween decorations too seriously. Does he know Liam Neeson is ripping him off? Math is hard, Powerball edition. And what's Europe's yeah, leading I, tourist attraction? You Your know choice. I'm going to go to Europe at some point, but you yeah. had me at Liam Neeson. All right. Liam Neeson. Does he know that Liam Neeson is ripping him off? Famously, we know this quote from Mr. Neeson. Play, please. If Play. you were looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Uh-oh, and what would happen when recently Hamas attacked Israel? They ran into a man that may have been a partial influence oh. and idea for that particular character. A former Israeli general rescued his son's family from Hamas fighters during the terrorist attack. Oh my goodness. The family lives right near the border of Gaza. When the attack started, he got a phone call from the family saying, we are in our safe room. They're outside. Grandpa, we need your help. What do you do? Well, he did what any 62-year-old retired major general oh, would wow. do. He grabbed his handgun, jumped in his car, and got down to business. Oh, dang. He said, trust me to his family, I will come. This is my profession. Nobody is stopping me. On the way, he took out over a dozen Hamas fighters. Holy smokes, man. He rescued three injured Israeli fighters. Showed up at the house. The grandkids say they knew they were going to be safe when they heard the window explode and Grandpa's voice outside. Oh a few minutes goodness, later, man. the family emerges from the safe room. All Hamas terrorists are dead. And there stands Grandpa. Buddy, this is a movie. Yes. Dude's a badass. Wow. He is my favorite. So, Listen, yeah. uh, I know yeah. we want to get to the Europe one. Let's do Europe. Yeah. Okay, Europe. European tourist attraction. According to the World Travel Awards, what would be the most popular tourist attraction in all of Europe? Is it the Eiffel Tower? Is it Buckingham Palace? Is it possibly the Colosseum or the Acropolis? No. It's the Guinness Storehouse in Dublin. No way. Yes, according to a recent poll, <laughs> the number one most popular tourist attraction is the Guinness Storehouse. Now, one for best beer, but this is the first time that it ever won the annual award for being the overall best tourist attraction. Go get the beer. That is, it's all tied Isn't to that alcohol. Wonderful? Yeah. All right, what do we got? Okay, and finally, uh, taking Halloween decorations too seriously or math is hard Powerball edition. Man, those I'm going to get one in the loser edition, so yeah. I'm going to go with the Halloween. All right, taking Halloween a little too seriously. Uh, this we go to Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. This is kind of a tragic story to end this hour with. Beaver Dam. A man in Wisconsin who's known by the neighborhood for his iconic Halloween decorations. Jeff Oman was up on his roof recently making sure that he made everything absolutely perfect for all the kids. He often wore a skull-covered hat. He had a zest for life. He had a uh -oh. skeleton type of tense. yeah, a skeleton um uh you know, like a vest that he would wear all the time, would do lots of parties. While he was setting up this year's display, 
he, he fell off the roof and died. Oh, no. Yes, so he passed away. So unfortunately, he took it too seriously. Now, this Halloween, he's going to be a ghost. I thought you were going to say, like, dude hung himself in some lights or something, yeah, and no. nobody noticed. Yeah, no, they were like, no. oh, is this just a, no. what an incredible decoration. <laughs> he, he fell off the roof. Oh. I know, and kaboom. So that's it. That's all I got time for. Yeah, that is the end of today's You Choose the News. I would say we'd do a sponsor, but <laughs> why? That would keep us on time and do what we're supposed to. And we're obviously not doing that today. Already, oh, sir. Oh, gosh. Uh, I know. That's sad to end it on that one. But uh, think about that Liam Neeson dude. dude that sounds that like crazy. a wonderful story. I want to read yeah. that one. Hey, listen, oh, a amazing. couple quick things here. Brandon Tatum, you know him as Officer Tatum. He is going to be replacing Stefan Tubbs uh, as early as November the 6th from the 4 to 7 slot. That's going to be super awesome. We'll keep talking about that. Hopefully we can get him on the show. Uh, and then when we come back, you heard her before, Professor Micheline Ishai. God, I'm going to continue to butcher that name. We're going to get caught up on all the super smart stuff from the Middle East, specifically Israel and Hamas. Stick around. It's George Brockler on The George Show, 710 KNUS. And now here comes that press conference, November 17, 2019, at 710 KNUS. Thanks to Bruce Finley and a bunch of other great reporters who asked really germane questions. This gets funny at the end when Bonniewell and Winland start talking, given what I told you occurred down the road for those guys. What's going to happen down the road for all of us? I'm not sure, but I do appreciate you listening. Listen to this press conference. It lasts about 10 minutes. Brian Taylor, Stephen Tubbs. In my show notes, I've got the video. You're going to want to see this to see how things have changed in the last four years. Not for the better, either. But I'll tell you who's better than ever. That's Dave Gunders, our troubadour. His song, Let It Go Mama, is instructive for me. I got it off my chest. Thank you. And Bob Marshall, thanks again for being in Craig's Lawyer's Lounge. Your fourth appearance. You're ahead of Steve Woodrow. Two state representatives. Proud to know these fellas. I really appreciate you listening. Tell a friend, share, subscribe. Five stars on Apple would really be sweet. And who doesn't like a sweet apple? Thank you. Bye-bye. Brian Taylor, the general manager. Thank you. Awesome. Is everyone good? Everybody good? Okay. Yeah. Uh, thanks for taking this time for this impromptu uh, conference. You can tell how prompt it is by the way we're dressed. Here, so. uh, my name is Brian Taylor. I'm the general manager of 710 KNUS here in Denver. And as members of the 710 KNUS staff has gathered behind me, I just want to express a concern that there's a current news uh, surrounding Craig Silverman, which we feel is incorrect. These reports are misleading to our listeners, and how we pride ourselves on a free, thoughtful opinion on our radio stations. Craig has hosted a radio show on KNUS for a number of years. This past week, it came to our attention that he had appeared on a competing radio station, and we asked Craig to avoid appearing there since we consider him an important part of our team, and we prefer that he not work for a competitor. He decided it was important for him to work across town, and so on his program on Saturday, he announced that, and that's what prompted our decision to take him off the air. No one was fired. Actually, Craig is an independent contractor, 
and that agreement still remains in effect. The notion that he was relieved of this program because he criticized President Trump is absolutely untrue. We've never told Mr. Silverman the position to take on Trump and his impeachment. Our hosts have the freedom to express their opinions on current events based on their own personal convictions. And this goes for all of our hosts, including Mr. Silverman. Any suggestion of the contrary really is just simply untrue. In fact, we would like to invite Craig to join any of these local hosts in debate about that topic, whether it's on their program or his own. Um, you said he wasn't fired. Um, you can't find his uh, website on KNUS's website. Um, you can't find his podcast. So what, what is his status? Uh, his status remains in effect. Um, his agreement remains in effect. As far as the um, websites, uh, we held that until we had a chance to talk. So we haven't had a chance to chat with Craig yet. So. Looking forward to that. Can you talk about the decision to um, take him off the air mid-program? It was due to, as I said, during the program he announced that he would be appearing on other radio stations. We just felt that was contrary to what we had already discussed. He's free as an independent contractor to appear on other shows. We just said that we're not comfortable with him as an asset of KNUS to now be an asset to another competitor. So his contract says non-exclusive? Right. Everything that else that he says happened, is that all a lie? What else did he say? I'm sorry. Well, if the reason why he says he was off the show is a lot different. That's... Is that a lie? The only reason he, that show was stopped was because of his announcement that he was going to be appearing on other stations. Why would he make that story up? That the producer lifted up his hands in the middle of the show and said, you're done. Well, that, that, that comment about you're done is literally because we'd already had a conversation with him about not appearing on other shows. He's a free agent, essentially, as an independent contractor. Just as, as a free agent, if he wants to play on another team, we don't want to keep him on our team at the same time, that's all. So where do you get the idea that all this has to do with Trump comments? I think that's probably something you need to ask Craig. We'd like to know the same Sorry, I'm confused. This contract says non-exclusive. It's okay if he appears on other shows, but you were telling him he couldn't appear on other shows and, and interrupted his show because of that. Can you just sort that out for me, please? So, as a contributor to other shows, if he's going to have another show, then we don't want an asset of ours to then become a benefit to a competitor, to a direct competitor. So that's why. To have so, his own show at another station? Is that something he was trying to do? Uh, that's something that we, we, we'd have to ask Craig specifically. So he indicated that he'd like to join another station. That, was, that we found that to be contrary to what we wanted to do competitively. So when you guys told him he was done, but he wasn't fired, what did you mean by done? The what show's done. The show? We're going we're gonna to have this conversation. So. Have you guys reached out to Craig? Yes. His response? Has he responded? Yeah. So we, we will. What was your guys' message? We have a long, long history with Craig, so we, what was we, your hope, message we hope to continue. Or what do you I want look, him to know now? I look forward to Craig continuing his program. <coughs> I just would rather it not be, you know, in a contentious form like this. So as far as him continuing his show, we still, the agreement's still in effect.
What do you think of the, the attention that this story has gotten locally Crazy. and nationally? Crazy. I think it speaks probably of the environment that's going on right here. But I guess the, the under point I want to underscore, even with these hosts, and these guys represent a lot of history in this market. And um, it's actually challenging to us to think that someone thinks that we uh, inhibit their public opinion of how they want to share. We want to have thoughtful talk. We want to have an opportunity where we can uh, share ideas over the air. Uh, we're not there to just you know, push a certain agenda. We have certain values that we may hold true, and that's what we want as a team to be able to express that it's, we're disappointed that that kind of reflection comes back on us, that we we don't have that opportunity to be able to share from you. Would you be welcome back here? Yeah. Kind of an awkward situation? That happens in families, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, we have certain values. To what extent are um, values or politics a factor in uh, what's discussed? On the air? There's no limit. I mean, you have, to, you have to work within the FCC guidelines of what you can say and not say. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much it. Okay. So if he was um, come, came back and had his show and talked about some of the things that he feels he was relieved because of, would that be acceptable to you guys? To be able to? Maybe you I guess, that So I guess he talked, he talked to one of our reporters today that he felt talking about the impeachment was not allowed here. Is that, do you have a comment back to that? I, I think that that's a huge story, mm -hmm. and it needs to be addressed. And uh, we're, all these guys have, have an opinion. They're, they're busting right now to be able to tell you and share you right now. Um, Craig, you know, quite frankly, we were even debating how we can use Craig because of his uh, background as an attorney to be able to maybe do some additional programming outside of the show. I guess he had other ideas. So. Would you say he was happy working here? He was frustrated. Uh, he expressed to us in a meeting prior to this that, it, that he didn't get additional exposure. He had shared that he didn't really feel like he got enough additional airtime. But I have to say, subsequently since that meeting, I heard him a number of times where he was invited to be on the show with these these other hosts behind me. And uh, if, whether it was outright refusal or a misunderstanding, I don't know. Um, I think Craig is an extremely hard worker. I mean, he is amazing at the time that he puts in to his show. He's passionate about the things that he wants to share over the year. And it's really disappointing when you have part of your team feel like that they didn't communicate that. So we're really, it's regretful that it's come to this, that he has that kind of uh, opinion, that we would, we would not be able to work together. But I mean, as far as the firing, that is just, Totally, We'll take one more, unless that's it. Uh, just anything you want to say to your listeners, or you want them to know through all this? And uh, another comment, thank you. Thank you, guys. And we'd all be happy to talk to you if you have any additional questions. Yep. I'm Craig's producer, by the way, so if you want to talk to him. And by the way, I did not tell him you've done. I threw my hands up when the commercial break occurred, and my program director spoke with Mr. Silver, so I did not. Say that you're done. So. But it all should be said, we've all talked about impeachment. We talked for hours 
with Democratic opponents about impeachment. We have hours and hours and hours of discussion back and forth and back and forth. It's ludicrous. It is ludicrous to say you can't discuss impeachment and you can't have the opinion you think a president ought to be impeached. Every one of us here has been anti-Trump at some time, um, and 710K in U.S. does not care. They just want interesting people talking about interesting things. And beyond that, they leave us alone. Um, I've debated Craig a hundred times, and so has everybody else. We've invited him on our shows. You want to talk about impeachment, Craig? Come on. Let's do it. This will be great. And then he declines. So this is all a show, um, and we're all disappointed to him. The one thing that's brought us all together, all together, is Craig lying about why he was dismissed. Because the last thing he was dismissed for was because he was anti-Trump. Uh, he's been anti-Trump for three years. Great. That makes fun debate. That's what we do. Great talk. That's how we have audiences. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Tune in live every Saturday morning, 9 to noon, Mountain Time. Visit thecraigsilvermanshow.com for the podcast, blog, and more. Be sure to subscribe on all major podcasting platforms to be updated when new episodes are available. This has been The Craig Silverman Show. <laughs>